Hey guys and gals, tonight's episode of Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Velocity Sports Equipment. Velocity Sports Equipment is the maker of the Infinity Rig, by far the most comfortable skydiving rig I've owned. I love it, I wear it. Man, just got to spend the weekend PIA with a lot of good friends, with a lot of good people, and some of the coolest people you'll know actually wear an Infinity Rig. You may have heard of a dude named Luke Akins. Luke is known for uh, being on the Red Bull Air Force, but even more so known for being the stride gum dude who rolled over onto his back and landed to a net and free fall. I can't say Luke always jumps in infinity because sometimes he wears nothing. But when Luke does decide to jump uh, with his parachute on, he wears an infinity. One of his teammates, one of his partners in crime, Jeffro Provenzano, also of the Red Bull Air Force and all sorts of other crazy wickedness, he jumps an infinity rig, man. Infinity is the rig of choice for some of these rock stars, these guys and gals that we look up to, we idolize. Why do they wear the infinity? For me, by far, it is the most comfortable rig on the market. The leg straps are shaped and contoured to your leg. The seams are inside out. They're very comfortable, man. The rig is a clean, good-looking rig. The aesthetics of it are beautiful, and it is one of the most customizable rigs on the market. What do you want it to look like? You can get it done. Bo Reby, the Performance Designs Demo Tour rep, his rig actually has a topical graphic map of Sisters, Oregon, actually where the Infinity Rig is made. So you can get all sorts of done uh, things done on it. Blake uh, runs uh, the, the, the runs marketing for Infinity, and if you order a new Infinity under special instructions, mention Gravity Lab Radio. Or if you're emailing vsc at velocityrigs.com, mention Gravity Lab Radio, and mention the free back pad upgrade, and you will get a free mesh back pad upgrade uh, just for being a listener and a fan of the show, so make sure you mention that in your order. Tonight we're also brought to you by Option Studios. Option Studios owned by Adam Buckner, and he does a wonderful job. He has some really sweet, sick, dope jerseys. All the jerseys you see on the show our new Gravity Lab Radio jersey. Tonight, the performance design jersey I'm wearing, Velocity Sports Equipment, Infinity Rigs, uh, Apex Base, you name it, he's made it for him. He was at PIA, and the, and the number of people talking to him, man, what a growing, booming uh, uh, company. And, and it's growing and booming because they make such quality product. Not only do they make the sickest jerseys on the market, but man, it's super important to me. The jersey can be built well, the jersey can look good, the jersey or me, can feel good, but the jersey has to look good as well. And that's really as awesome of a build as a jersey is. Option Studio crushes it with graphic design. You already know they've designed Monty, the Gravity Lab Radio mascot, and the Gravity Lab Radio logo. They have been involved with design for all sorts of things across the, the sport. And man, Adam knows how to crush it. You want it, he does it. And really, Adam has a style, but he has other artists. So you're not stuck or married to a style. He talks to you, talks to you about what you want, what you like, gets samples of what you already have and a direction you want to go. And then he'll match you to the artist in his studio that will fit your needs the best. He pays attention to the customer. He listens to the customer. And he's going to deliver what you want. Sometimes I don't even know what I want. And he makes it happen. He has designed a lot of the stuff for TRC. Uh, oddly enough, I'm not a graphic designer. I designed the TRC logo, which might be why it's so simple. But uh, he has done everything else for me. My banners, we're coming up with some new wind blades soon. So if you need custom wind blades, hit up Option Studios. Custom pull-up cords, Option Studios is, is definitely the, 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 the forerunner on that. They have set the standard and they have made pull-up cords what they are in the industry as far as customized versions. 
when I first started jumping, we used just cut up ribbons with very little print on them. So he really is, has set the standard for custom pull-up cords on the market. So check out pullupcords.com. Check out optionstudios.com. These guys and these gals are crushing it. Uh, it has been a couple weeks since we've done a show. I've been out at PIA Symposium having a great time meeting some of the coolest people, talking to some of the fans, and getting to just have a really rocking good time. Tonight's show, it's just myself, Nick, and Justin. I like to call it the boys. We are doing what we call the PIA recap. Who we saw, what we did, what we like, what we didn't like, what was a good time. While we're at it, we're going to spin into a conversation of sponsorship. What can you do to set yourself up successfully to be sponsored and what you can do to maintain those sponsors? I hope you guys enjoy the show. This one's a little bit long, but man, we just had a damn good time. And by the way, this show marks our second year anniversary of recording. March 9th, or excuse me, February 9th was our official uh, two-year anniversary of recording, so we're two days past that. So uh, happy anniversary, boys. Guys and gals, enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Chickity, check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Thank you. So we fi- finish each other's sentences. It's like we're married. Oh, honey. It's like we sleep together. We did sleep in the same room for the first time. Usually, yeah, there's not much sleeping going on in that room. It's usually just a lot more fun and shenanigans. All right, it's getting weird already. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like uh, we haven't explained enough. So guys and gals, last week, a lot of you know, a lot of you don't know, PIA Symposium uh, just happened. PIA, Parachute Industry Association, kind of uh, like a USPA or uh, uh, for skydivers, PIA is kind of to the governing or excuse me, to, to the manufacturing world. Uh, to the parachute industry, and uh, they come together as a board regularly. They make sure standards are out there. They have a lot of rigor uh, training, rigonar seminar, rigonars. Is that like a seminar for rigors? Yes, it is, DJ. Um, Justin's making sure the audio is running right over there because I tore down the whole studio, took it with me, didn't use it as a studio, but did use some of the equipment. Yeah, Justin, you ain't working. I'm glad I noticed the... uh the wrong mic was muted on the OBS. <laughs> that shouldn't have changed. That computer went nowhere. Yeah, for some reason, the the channels were backwards. No, yeah. you broke it. No, you better believe it. You I didn't change it. <laughs> so the Parachute Industry Association, their symposium, it, it's our biennial trade show. Every two years, they have this trade show. It's been in Reno, San Diego, Daytona, Chattanooga, Dallas. I think I got the order close. In uh, Cincinnati next year? Is that what I heard? Two years. Two, two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. In 2021, it'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio, home of SSK. So, uh, Adam Schmucker, you got to meet him. Yep. We'll very, be super Very excited. kind gentleman. So, this trade show is a pretty cool thing. We're going to kind of share our experiences. I've been going to these for a few years. Uh, Nick, you made your first appearance. Very first time. Man, how long? You were there for what, 18 hours? I don't even know if it was that long. I don't, man. You, you showed up. I, I showed up at 2.30 p.m. I got into Dallas. And the expo floor opened at three, mm-hmm. and we were there through yeah. And I left at seven the next morning. Yeah. So yeah, not not much time. That was a, a whirlwind tour. So what's going on at this symposium is uh, I'll kind of give the brief overview, and then we'll talk about our shared experiences. 
is it's Monday through Friday, technically, uh, but really most of it happens Monday through Thursday. And during the day, it's seminars from 8 o'clock till whatever o'clock, 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, there's seminars. I actually have a list of seminars somewhere out right there around here so I can remember what some of them are. Um, and then somewhere around 3 o'clock on most days, uh, the first day, it's a little bit later, uh, until 8 o'clock, the last day they close a little bit earlier. Uh, so from 3 to 8, we have the expo hall open where all the manufacturers are. So you really got to experience just that part, right? No seminars. Yeah, I didn't do any seminars. I, I had a few. Con- I was really surprised how many people I knew at PIA. That uh, it was really easy to just bump into people. You know, skydivers move around quite a bit, and you see so many faces that you forget about all the people that you know. And then you go to PIA, and boom, so many of them are there. So I got to talk with a f- quite a few people about the uh, different seminars that they had attended, and that there was a lot to take away from from everything. From uh, but I didn't personally sit through any of those classes. So I'm, I'm curious, man. There's a, a lot of good seminars, and this is the first year I attended zero seminars. I, I say that. we have. A, I spoke at the DZO conference, so I sat through the seminar before me just to, to be in the room and not interrupt his flow. Um, and then we have standardization meetings. We'll, we'll talk about that later on or where examiners go together and argue like we're a bunch of jerk faces. Um, it's not that bad. Uh, but we do a lot of the seminars that went on during the week happen again during the standardization meetings. So my seminars happen in very specific events. Um, I just didn't have the time this time. But what seminars did you hear about? What did you? Gosh, it seemed like uh, there were a couple marketing ones that were mentioned. Uh Oh, rigging stuff. Uh, I guess I didn't get uh, enough details to, to reiterate very much of it. Uh, but you, you said you spoke at the Drop Zone Owners Conference. Is that? Yeah, poor DZOs. I feel sorry for them. I, w- I wonder <laughs> what uh, what you brought to the table there. Uh, jumper retention. So it was really it was neat. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was neat and, and almost it, a coincidental to the people who set it up. But USPA contacted me. Four months ago, DJ speak at the DZO conference, fun jumper retention from the A license to 100 jumps. Do you think you can handle that? Yeah, it was a phone call. Yeah, I can, I can handle that. That sounds like something I'm willing to do. Cool, man. Do you have any ideas of what kind of things you would talk about? <laughs> well, my wife and I run the mentor program at Skydive Spaceland <laughs> for people between 25 and 100 jumps. Okay, we're good. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm going to present our mentor program. Like, the USPA has wondered. They've watched our numbers. Uh, so they asked that not even knowing they about, didn't about y- the mentor program. <laughs> They're just like, hey, you guys are doing really good with us. Can you tell us <laughs> what, pretty cool. what you might be up to not knowing that there was a solid plan in place? Yeah, and they actually define the jump numbers that we actually look at and are enticed by, which for me was super cool because when USPA is saying this is a demographic you need to be focused on, it's nice when the other experts are validating the numbers and the statistics you're using. When they say these are the numbers we need retention from. So I did a 30, ended up being 33 minutes, not nearly as long-winded as Greg Windmiller. Um, <laughs> we did How a, long do they tell you to talk for? 30 minutes. All right. I went 33. I kept a timer. I keep a timer when I speak on, my, on the podium wherever I'm at, unless it's a seminar I've done a shitload. Um, Greg, uh, Greg actually thought we had an hour each, and he was 35, 40 minutes into his when he found out he was long. And so he... Very quickly wrapped up. He did fucking phenomenal job. You know who Greg Wood Miller is? Yeah, super. That I used to um, 
I used to follow a lot of his stuff. Superior Flight Solutions is, is actually the name of his company, and a super good dude. He is the Golden Knight who was uh, the U.S. swoop team for a little bit for the Golden Knights. Uh, has placed in a lot of championships and meets. Just su- super badass dude. Um, now a civilian who still does canopy coaching. But he uh, he spoke on, on canopy and canopy training in schools, and I spoke on the mentor program. When I walked out of the – yeah? Not that I'm not going to uh, ask you to share what you spoke about specifically in the mentor program, but do you remember anything that he said about canopy stuff? Man, um, yes, I do. Is it geared towards people in that same experience level? Yeah, so he actually, I'd listened to a seminar twice, said and done. He did it at the DZO conference, and then we had an exam, examiner, I'm French suddenly, examiner meeting. <laughs> we had an examiner meeting uh, on Friday where he presented the same seminar, but a th- more thorough version of it. So um, it was pretty good. Uh Talked about how to properly teach a good two-stage flare. Um, talked about understanding uh, what what is the most important thing a canopy needs to flare. What what would you say it is? I would say speed. And he will very quickly argue. And, and years ago, I say years, a few years ago, he convinced me otherwise. And, and I actually have heard the seminar more than once from him now. It's pressurization. Because if a wing is not pressurized, it's not a wing. It's just a bunch of fabric flapping over your sure. head. No doubt speed is necessary to create that pressurization. Speed is necessary to create that lift. But how often do we see jumpers flare a little bit? They hold that flare down a little bit. They let their hands back up. And, yeah, the surge kills them or hurt them. What kills them? Not literally, yeah. right? The surge is what's, what's really a problem. The fact that you're not underneath the canopy is really a problem. But the bigger fact is we watch them do that, and they still flare super hard, and the wing does nothing. And that's proof pressure. Is it staying pressurized? Is there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you're just listening to this on, on the podcast, I'm sorry. This is not going to be easy to see. But if you look at the wing from tail to nose, and I'm holding my hand up like it's Pac-Man, waka, 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 waka. The tail to the nose is 100% pressurized. And when you squeeze or you flare, you're squeezing the tail down, and you're actually eliminating or reducing the amount of uh, volume that the air can take, that the air can fill, right? When you let back up, you have this volume of air with a greater space to right, fill. Right, so it rushes back in and then... But has it, a lower pressure. Exactly. Okay. So now the wing is less pressurized. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's so many different problems and results that come out of that. And a good example, so many instructors say, hands up, hands up, hands up on the radio. And above a certain altitude, that's a good idea. 150 plus feet off the ground, that's a good idea. And, and if you understand the word flight cycle, it's to get you through that flight cycle. Um, below that man, telling a student to hold what he has and flare because, yes, he has less pressurized wing but by letting up it's going to be even less pressurized yes it's less speed but by letting up you're going to have less responsiveness so it's better for them to flare from there um so his detailed conversation to that was is i've heard that seminar three times now and it's phenomenal so all right so he goes up he talks about canopies and then uh well my favorite greg will miller thing you teach them abc and then they figure out wtf <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's so funny because you teach students one thing and they bastardize it into WTF. And, and Greg, that's another thing I've heard from him in most of his seminars. Yeah, you teach them ABC and somehow they make it into WTF. So I, I'm curious if you think that the way that you teach something to a student is always the same as the way that you would actually do it. 
No, um, there there is a best practice, a best performance, or amongst best practices and best performances. But I need you to be effective before I need you to be efficient. I need you to land safely before I teach you how to land safely the best way. Most people I've taught to skydive, I can teach them best methods pretty quickly. Some people, God bless your heart, I'm going to make sure you land safely on the ground and don't break your legs. After they get good at that, then we'll adjust. So it really depends on the person. Also, um, the wing, you know, wh- what parachute are you flying? There are drop zones that, that oh, we, we have acquired different drop zones of Spaceland, and I know I went to one of them, and that school had a Spectre, a Storm, a Silhouette, a Saber, a Navigator. Uh, I think they had a Sapphire in, in their program as well, but they had all these different wings, and some of them are the same size. They all flare very differently. So, uh, oh, I've, man, I've been... Oh, it's like having a student used to flaring a saber and they grab a storm. Well, the harder part is commonly instructors don't even teach them how to flare differently. They just say, you'll get better. It's like, well, (laughs) no, they won't. They're flying very different wings over and over again. So do I teach the same? I teach whatever they need to know to get them safe and then get them better. That's that's a fair response. What... um, I I haven't taught anyone at at this level of of skydiving at all with canopy or free fall. So let's say that someone has, oh, let's just say eight jumps because that's when I was <laughs> signed up for self-supervision was with eight jumps. Mm-hmm. I was a skydiver, right? How uh, how do you explain the difference uh, between two canopies for, for that person? Is it just your level of experience with all of these different types of canopies that lets you have this conversation? Uh, for sure, it's a huge benefit. If you are an instructor and you're not jumping various wings at various opportunities, you're foolish. Um, I think almost every drop zone has a point where the student complains this canopy has a built-in turn. And when we hear it once, it's usually just an anomaly. It's you're leaning in your harness or you're doing something silly or you don't have things tightened evenly. But when you hear this a few times on the same wing, your drop zone will tend to do a hop and pop on it. And for many years, I was the first guy to volunteer. Like, I'll go do a hop and pop on that. And I did every single thing I expected my student to do. Flare how I taught him to flare, do break turns the way I taught him to do break turns. So that experience helped me better communicate to him because I paid attention to not just what I was doing, but what it felt like. Because how many people rely on that statement, feel? You know, they, they want to understand what they feel. And so if you can tell them what to feel, they can connect the thought process better. Like, well, I did this and I felt that. A plus B equals C. Um, but man, somebody with eight jumps, let's say, example, at Spaceland, we use navigators for our larger wings, and then we step down to our smaller wings for the saber. And I'll explain, this wing has a little bit more powerful flare. You've been pulling down deeper for that first stage, quicker for that first stage to get that pitch change. Now with this wing, because it's more powerful, you don't need to go as deep or as strong. So we're going to adjust it to this point, and this is what you're looking for. And then we see some people popping up. Mm-hmm. For, for entering in with a little more power than they than they need to on that wing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, man, I, I sent a guy named uh, Bart Stone Street. You know Bart? I know Bart, yeah. To a, a very famous and very well-known canopy co- instructor. I, I won't say their names because they do teach a phenomenal course. And Bart said he heard a lot of good things there. But I asked Bart, what did you learn from that canopy course? This is, you know, 12 years ago. He's like, nothing. I'm like, nothing? What the fuck? Do you, dude, you just one of the fucking brightest minds in the world about canopies. How do you learn nothing? Well, everything he taught me, you taught in my A license program. Hmm. 
And quite frankly, I think Flight One, Greg Windmiller and Superior Flight Solutions, Brian Germain, uh, Alter Eagle, all these people are doing a great job teaching the basic canopy courses, the basic fundamentals. Flight 101 is what P, uh, uh, um, uh, Flight One calls it. Hey, Justin, can you put another headset or something on there? Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's really hard to to talk and hear that. Um, uh, there's the other headsets hanging on the back of the closet door, by the way, if that helps. Cool. Um, because I think you have us going through the mic on the camera. I don't think the mic mutes were backwards. I think you made them backwards. And if you return them to the original setting, it might be right. I'm not 100% sure, but those shouldn't have changed. And it sounds like they're coming through the camera. The web camera function is just what I think. I'm not sure. Because I can't see anything. Troubleshooting and shooting the shit. That's what's up. <laughs> um, I, it's man, and even looking from here, I can't see the screen well, but uh, it looks back. So then, uh, let's check the board and see if the board's hooked up right. Because I did not shoot the board to the to OBS. I shot the board to the podcast uh, laptop, but not to the uh, live stream. So, sorry guys and gals listening to to this. I got under overwhelmed today and did get a chance to finish these things. Um, if I need to, if we want, we'll, we'll change topics in a minute and I'll peek at it too. Um, shit. Where'd we go? Talking about, uh, changing canopies. We just talked about students popping up when they, uh, uh, switch oh, we plan forms. Is that no, what we were No, we were talking about, um, I, I was at the point where what a lot of these companies are teaching in basic canopy courses, I really earnestly don't believe. Oh yeah, Bart. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, should be as heavy of a focus. I do believe it needs to be there today. I do believe it needs to be there now. But what Greg Windmiller was doing in these seminars to the DZO conference and teaching the drop zone owners, this is what we need to do. To the examiner court, we are training the trainers there. The things he's teaching people is going to allow us in the future to take our basic canopy courses and up them to the next level because the initial trainers are doing a more thorough job. So um, I don't know how we kind of got to that, but the evolution of our sport is growing quickly and tremendously. Are you seeing anything over there, Justin? Cool. Um, why don't you catch up with Justin just for one second? I don't want to peek at one thing. Justin, come have a seat on the couch, my friend. Or sit there, whatever you want to be. No, I, I, I actually planned on getting you over here in my seat earlier. Well, when I thought about the show earlier, I was still sitting on that couch over there. But I was going to hijack your seat at some point to let you not have to babysit the camera. And now DJ's just just helping me out with that. So you showed up in your official work shirt today. Very, very nice. Is it H, H and M industrial? Yeah, I was totally thrown off my Monday morning routine by having this on a Monday. It's like musical chairs. It's a different view from over <laughs> oh, here. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> this is the third time I've sat in this chair for the show. I mean, it's my everyday desk. Yeah, I guess it sounds the same to anyone who's listening that, to this. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks weird as fuck. D DJ and Justin just switched spots. So. We did a Japanese fire drill. Yeah, we're all having a little bit different perspective. <laughs> I'm in the normally what's the guest chair. DJ is in Justin's chair, and Justin is in what's usually my chair. Yeah. So yeah, full there you go. full so switcher. So what's what's a normal Monday like as an engineer? Uh, first half of the day is approving timesheets and updating the budgets on all my projects. That sounds horrible. Awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like staring at spreadsheets and making sure people charge the right task codes. So oh time timesheets. Yeah. So how many people's timesheets are you responsible for? Uh, seven. 
All right, that's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, it's not too bad, but each one is about 20 line items on it. And this is just days that they've worked? This is hours that you're ke- that you're keeping track of? Yeah, each different task has a different code associated with it. So if they're working on like a, a plan drawing or a wiring drawing or whatever, a data sheet, it's all different code, even though it's the same job. So I, I think I told you that I'd started playing around with with some CAD software this week. Oh, yeah. I really suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> Most do people you, do when they start out. Do you know SolidWorks? Uh, not really. No. Do, I mean, we do use, you know what it is? Yeah. Okay. We use CADWorks. CADWorks. AutoCAD. Mm-hmm. Is this it's the same thing? No, not the same thing uh, exactly. It's uh, CADWorks is a different company uh, than AutoCAD. Uh, I forget the name of the parent company. But that it has a lot more intelligence in it than like a SolidWorks program. You draw just like you do in AutoCAD. The interface is almost identical, uh, but you can have like metadata behind objects, like you can have tag numbers and things like that. So when you were learning to do this CAD drawing, did you, this was something you learned formally in school, right? No. Oh no. Uh-uh. So how did you learn? Electrical engineers actually don't take any drafting classes, so I just learned on the uh, on the job. You didn't take drafting classes as an EE? Zero. That was part of my uh that was part of what I had to do when I went through. I never finished my my degree. I got kicked out of college. Um another conversation, but <laughs> I was an EE and we actually had to take drafting classes and CAD was a um What's that? Stu- ele- elective. Requir- oh. Well, you got to remember, CAD wasn't elective because the internet wasn't around when I was a freshman yeah. in <laughs> high school. So um, it, it, we were still, remember bulletin board services, BBSs? Yeah. That's what, like, if you know how to get onto a BBS when I was in college, you were the shit. I typed so many papers in school because I was the guy who knew how to type. And I'm not the <laughs> best type. I'm like, I've watched Justin type. I'm like, boy's a ginger. So... <laughs> Uh, I did. I had a cable plugged into the wrong port. Oh, okay. As soon as I sat down, I was like, "Ah, I see the problem. I'm retarded." So, it's in the intro, you know. I'm retarded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> were you, were you weren't here for this conversation, were you? No, because I was driving the board because I kept replaying. DJ thinks that in the introduction to the show and the the recorded bit, that in the background there's a point where he says, "I'm retarded." Is there? He's gonna play it right now. <laughs> Have we talked about skydiving live? Have we talked about by Nicholas Live? Have we talked about live? I'm retarded. Have we talked about live? I'm retarded. I don't hear it at all. Have we talked about live? I just hear Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving? Uh, no, I don't hear it at all. But yeah, we listened to it. Who was the guest when we listened to that so many times? Ah, oh, God. Uh, Thomas Hughes. It was. Yeah, okay, Thomas yeah, Hughes, that's I'm retarded. Right. So if you want to hear that line 50 more times, uh, listen to Thomas Hughes episode. <laughs> All right, so timesheets, paperwork. That's your that's your morning. Yeah, updating what? budgets and all that. Ugh. How much time do you do you spend much time in a normal day designing on a computer? No. Do you draw not anymore? And no, you don't do that at all. Man, no, I, I used to do it a lot. Sometimes I wish I could go back to just being an engineer and not a department manager. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to babysit. Oh yeah, grown ass men too. <laughs> what do they behave more like men or children? What would you say? Children. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. Do you have to sort out drama for these people. Uh huh. Is it? Uh, I I guess you don't know. I was going to ask. Is it any better than people in the skydiver world? It's not too bad <laughs> now with the department I have, but I've had quite a few characters roll through. Is there is there a common issue with these engineers? Like I, is none it, of I, them are actually engineers. They're all designers. With lots of experience, 
So um, they're used to kind of working all different places and had one person with a whole lot of experience that was just gossipy like see that's what i was gonna ask is, is girl if it was if it was like those kind of because I, I think of those as young <coughs> people problems right yeah exactly like you're not fighting with your wife you're you're not dying of some disease yeah. you know <laughs> you're just stirring up shit because yeah. you're an asshole oh yeah he, he was a shit stirrer and he talked about all kinds of crap it was half of it wasn't true but at the same time he knew stuff that i didn't know like how the fuck do you know that guy got fired i didn't even know that <laughs> You know, I I won't throw anyone under the bus, but I have worked with people who I know started rumors just for the sake of watching yep. watching it burn. Mm-hmm. And man, I I don't think I'm creative enough to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To think of like, oh, I'm gonna say some shit about DJ to a it's bunch like of those people that did not happen. But like, don't don't care about shit, but post stuff about anti-vaxxing. Uh, yeah, like, oh okay, my God, yeah. Fuck you. I, I, I would just call it. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> people that talk shit on the internet. Which Just I, in general. I really <laughs> enjoyed doing that when I was like 15. Yeah, that, right. that was fun, right? You get on a message board, hey, fuck you for no <laughs> reason. Like that's super enjoyable or <laughs> used to be when I was a kid. I try and uh, yeah. refrain from that urge these days. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't even know where I was going with that. But uh, you got it sorted over there? Oh, dude, I'm I'm good, Back man. We second. sorted it right away. Oh, but yeah. uh, since I'm sitting here, you let's look, keep going. You let's, look good over there. Dude, I feel good over yeah. here. <laughs> man, we were at uh, we were in the standardization meeting at some point, and we were arguing a little bit of a math problem. Ron Bell is our director of safety and training. Is this going to turn into an Asian joke? Oh, for sure, man. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're looking at a new scoring system for courses. And at some point, I said, look, man. Everybody's arguing will or won't it work, and I did the math. I sat there and did several different maths and said, "Look, guys, here's what I've come up with." The the chairman of safety and training, Michael Watkins, agreed with the math. He looked at it. He said it was right. And uh, when Ron argued with me, I said, "Look, man, I'm Asian. I know math. Don't fuck with me." <laughs> <laughs> and we all laugh. We get a good joke. I will have to honestly say, about three minutes later, I said, "Ron, I am right. You're just more right." <laughs> um, and what it, what it was is the new scoring system. 75% is a passing score, and the proposed scoring system that we're not using yet lowers passing scores and raises non-passing scores. So in other words, a 69, 75% to pass, you know that. A 69 in the new system is a 72. A 70 or an 82 in the new system is an 81. So the, the, the scoring, but what Ron pointed out is 75 is the break-even point. And we did the math again. So if you really want to nerd out with math, Justin and I'll take care of that one later on. <laughs> I actually had a discussion before I left the office. The reason why I was a little bit late is talking about voltage drop calculations on how an engineer is allowed to do voltage drop versus how a designer slash electrician must do voltage drop. So speaking of the most boring thing I've heard yeah. today. And it involves <laughs> ma- imaginary numbers. Look at that. <laughs> Letters aren't numbers. Talking about the potential changes of imaginary numbers. Uh-huh. Oh, that sounds super Yeah. So electricians aren't, aren't allowed to deal with imaginary numbers. Only engineers are. You know, electrical <laughs> engineer reason. is an EE, and it's the middle two letters of the word geek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so back It's all coming together. Back to where you're at. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I was at, but I was going to ask we you. We were talking about we, CAD, but... Okay, so if you want to continue down the boring side of this, I, I do. I do want to learn how to. to so I'm going to tell you the stupid story about why I want to learn how to to, to draw in a CAD program. That uh, computer assisted drawing is that what CAD is, CAD stands for? Computer aided drafting, I Com- believe. Yeah, that's what I said. Computer aided design is what I was. God, I was, was way off. <laughs> okay, anyway, all right, Mr. Borafil. So <laughs> I Borafil. 
<laughs> no, I, ha- I will not make out with you. I have <laughs> herpes and the, ma- the man van, right? So I have this man van that I've never done anything with. I bought the van because I wanted to build a little conversion in the back. Simple, b- like I want to do a bed, hardwood floors, one little counter. Really simple as far as converting a, a vehicle goes. And uh, this was two and a half years ago I bought that van. Haven't done shit. Yeah. Except for put so some dope decals on it. I did put uh, some sweet... Uh, we got new Gravity Lab stickers, by the way. If you run into to any of us, we're going to have some for you. We got some bigger ones. Um, but I haven't done anything in the van. And I just barely measured it. Because I, I started making to-do lists again recently, which I fucking love because I get so much more done. Yeah. So uh, on my to-do list, I put measure the van. And it took two days for me to do that once I had written it down on a piece of paper compared to the two and a half years that I haven't done it. So if you're listening to this, there's anything you're putting off, write that shit down, make a to-do list. It's so much easier to get it done. So measure the van, um, kind of decide on a, a rough idea of how I want it to be, made a little sketch on a piece of paper, took some photos, and then I went back in to my computer and I was going to draw in Photoshop how I wanted it to look. And I was like, man, that's kind of stupid. Like, I, just because I know how to, to draw, I can use images in Photoshop to make it look how I want. Yeah. But there are There's programs. There's no scalar dimension to it. No, no. I couldn't rotate the drawing, right? Yeah. I'm just drawing on top of a flat picture. So, it's like, I, the, the design is really simple, and it's super impractical for me to try and learn the skill to even, like, there's no point in drawing this because it's a box, a couple boxes yeah. and, a, and <laughs> flooring. So it's like, it doesn't really need to be that way. But I was like, you know what would be cool is if I could draw this in 3D, and you had just recently shown me the uh, the, the laser scanning. Oh, yeah, that, the uh, 3D model. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to start learning that shit. <laughs> and uh, so I, I spent a day looking at different uh, CAD programs, and uh, SolidWorks was one that I just happened to find a bunch of tutorials for. So I downloaded a trial of it and was doing a, an online tutorial. Yeah, that one's geared more for people who are like architects or more like design side that mm-hmm. that don't have the technical CAD experience. So it's a little bit easier to use. Well, it still was hard. <laughs> but uh, the the moment I started to get oh, a, that's what she said. a hang of it, there was like, uh, shit, there still was, uh, I, I had run out of the two-hour trial period that it was going to let me have. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look and see how much this costs. And it's like a $12,000 program that I was just playing around with. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's... The upkeep's even worse. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to spend twelve grand on a program to design <laughs> my stupid box design in the back of my van. But uh, still, I think I want to uh, learn something that's a little more applicable to 3D printing because that just seems like a more affordable thing to play around with. And uh, I could imagine building some fun, practical little things for camera setups and whatever else. Yeah. Do you, do you have any experience with 3D printing? No, not really. Okay, so wh- whatever nerd friend <laughs> I have that's going to hear this who's like, yeah, I know 3D printing, hit me up. Dude, me how. Callie Dave is based out of Dallas, and I think you've seen the bust of me in here. Have you seen the little statues of me? Yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, I, just, I don't know if you've noticed there's one up there, but Callie Dave actually has a 3D scanner. You stand on it, and he just rotates us. You're standing, not the scanner, you're standing on a piece of wood, just a lazy Susan, you know, just something on some bearings, and he spins you slowly around as that scanner sits in your face. We did this in the freaking lobby of Skydive Dallas, the same lobby as Spaceland Dallas. And uh, he went home that day and came back with that 3D printed thing. That's His cool. stuff is very doable. Um, I'm actually looking for somebody with a 3D. I thought about buying one recently. 
man, I really want to buy a 3D printer. What's your price range like? What are you uh, looking dude, to spend you, on a 3D printer? You can spend three, four hundred dollars easily and get a decent little machine really? for the size I, I want. I was expecting three or four thousand dollars. I thought that was the number you were going to throw out. No, man, I, I I want that version, but for what I want in application and uses, I'm going to put it through. I man, little trinkets, little things here and there. My my wife bought me a really nice. Uh, you know what a dresser caddy is? A dresser caddy. Oh, yeah, something that would be on your dresser that holds your pens and whatever else. Well, yeah, it's got slots for all my watches. Yeah, okay. It's got a place for my glasses, my keys, everything. And the, the tray where my keys and wallet sit, dude, I want to, like, 3D scan a little or 3D make a little divider so I can put extra things there, you know, because I have keys and pocket knife and just organize like an Asian nerd. That <laughs> yeah, Conda bitch ain't got who, nothing on me. <laughs> Yeah, who can have their keys and wallet touching in the same bin? Well, same actually, bin. they're already on separate trays, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's even worse than you think. I need a divider for each key. Yeah. So Are you that way with food, like that you don't like your food touching on a plate? Oh, dude, I love my... No, man, you... Man, you can mix it up. Fix it. Oh, right. yeah. All right, that stuff you. goes in your mouth. It, it'll work. You know that Marie Kondo chick that's on Netflix? Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, only because I have an Asian girlfriend who loves anything that Asian people do. I think... I've been folding my laundry that way for 25 fucking years. <laughs> that bitch comes along and innovates the internet. I hate her. <laughs> I hate her, man. I, I could well, have showed you how to fold laundry 25 years ago. I'm Asian. That's what we do. It, it seems like me. your English is at least better than hers. So <laughs> you, you got guy. her there. <laughs> um, so a little bit back to PIA. Uh, well, let's see. What site should I use? What sh- site should I change his home site to? Oh, we're over here <laughs> screwing around with your laptop, by the way. Yeah. Um, I use that at work a lot, so <laughs> be careful. Yeah, no, I knew it at your work computer, so <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to think crazy. And Lucas, I won't, I'm not buying it, Lucas. Just uh, use incognito tabs. Incognito. Okay, <laughs> so we, we were at... Uh, PIA somewhere. PIA, finishing Greg Windmiller's uh, presentation about canopies. And then you were going to talk about student retention and how that relates to the uh, mentor program. Um. So really, the the mentor program. I'm not going to go into too much detail of what I spoke on because if you, oh yo yo, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see. I made this. How do I do? Flip the script. What's up? Hi, internet. (laughs) (laughs) Justin, you're on it, brother. This is why you guys sit behind this desk and not my sorry ass. Um, uh, If you've heard me and and you paid attention to. The world will never know. It was so funny. No one will know. <laughs> oh, God, I love you, man. Thank you. Uh, if you listen to the show often enough, you know what we do or have an idea of what we do with the mentor program. I gave a very formal introduction and idea of, of how can your drop zone implement or put in a mentor program. And, uh, you know, this is how we did it. This is how we implemented it. Uh, we've made a lot of mistakes. Justin knows that because he's helped us with the program for a while now. Don't make the same mistakes we have here. L- learn from these tips. And I felt it went pretty well. You know, as I walked out of the room, I had four or five guys say really nice things to me. They're all really good friends. So I didn't believe a word any one of them said. They, they're going to tell me nice words. But afterwards, I had a, a guy named Doug Smith, uh, owned CSC, come up and talk to me about it, uh, compliment me on, on the uh, conversation and then want to know more. I had several DZOs approach me. I've had emails and conversations since. Uh, 
Tom Noonan spoke after me. So it was Greg Wynn Miller, myself, and Tom Noonan. And you talk about being like, I was Why like, Why would he not speak? Why would he not do that? Hugh, you are a slacker, you son of a bitch. Hugh, you know why I'm calling you a slacker, you son of a bitch. Hang on. I want to, I got a comment on a couple of things. And we're why gonna, wouldn't we're, you? We're going to come back <laughs> to Tom Noonan in just a second. So, uh, not everyone who watches and listens to the show knows about the mentor program. So, I just wanted to elaborate just a little bit. So, for uh, licensed jumpers, so once you have an A license, 25 jumps for, for most people at Spaceland, up to 100 jumps, they. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Spaceland>. <laughs> I was wondering how long it was going to take you. Space, I, I, I had that same thought too. <laughs> uh, Spaceland invites these jumpers of this experience level, regardless of where you learned, <laughs> of where you got your license, that they will uh, invite you to these free coaching events. You're really taking the wind out of my sails here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm fucking, I'm bouncing the camera between it's everybody. All over the place. But, uh, okay, so 25 to 100 jumps. You can come out, get free coaching, be organized onto these jumps where we're working mostly on uh, foundational belly skills, foundations of, of group free fall. And so it doesn't matter if you learned with us, doesn't matter if you learned somewhere else, doesn't matter if you own gear, you're renting gear or whatever, uh, you're, you're getting access to this free coaching. And uh, it does a really great uh, job of uh, continuing to, to, to give people new goals, new things to, to work towards, give people an idea of um, what it's like. For me, my perspective of what skydiving is changed a lot from the time that I was cleared from my self-supervision solo jumps to when I actually started jumping with people and learned, oh, like, I suck at this, but it's, like, super awesome for the people that are good at it. And so I think it's great to keep people steered in the direction of having a goal and keep people learning and keep people engaged and keep people from having that feeling of, okay, I did skydiving, now I'm going to move on to, to whatever else. And it's like teaching the fundamentals of how to jump with a group. And jump with people that aren't going to compensate for you all the time. Right. That I remember that the moment that I had that realization when I jumped with someone else of a similar experience level. And it was like, man, this shit was super easy in my student program. Like, me and the instructor did this great. What's wrong with you, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, oh, he was doing all that work. I, I made it suck. Yeah, my instructor's basically carving the entire but, time. But it helps. <laughs> you know, but now people kind of have a, a hand to be held, so to speak, at going through this part of the process of... Um, being being guided through more of the learning process, and uh, for me, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not in the mentor program with my number of jumps, obviously, and I don't do mentor jumps. But watching the program and seeing people how engaged they are um, is awesome, and seeing how I take that video, how much <laughs> safer the skydivers are that we make makes yes. me feel better. Of like, man, you you didn't just do eight jumps and get let loose to do whatever you want. Now, now through 100 jumps, now we're constantly talking about things like break off and line of flight and just all, all these things that may, may get mentioned at some point during our uh, student program because it is really thorough, more thorough than, than most, I would argue. But not all of that information sticks. You know, you haven't mm -hmm. had the experience to put things like, like line of flight and exit separation and ground speed. You haven't had the chance to put that all into context because you were too busy trying to manage the nerves of, I oh survived. my God, I'm jumping out of a fucking airplane. <laughs> and so, you, you know, some of those uh, things, that um, even if some of it's a reintroduction, I think it sticks a lot better at that level of experience. And then uh, it just continues to, I think it sets a good habit of goal setting and, and, and achieving those goals and just m makes a more like forward thinking skydiver in general. 
I, a lot of people, and, and you really, I guess, help me put a thought into how to describe what I did, because for me, it's, it's hard to think of what to say, and man, you said it well. But a lot of people ask me, what's the difference between the mentor program and organizing? And I think this is, Nicole Black just joined us, so this is a perfect time to talk about this one. A good example, Nick, you talked about we're setting the culture, we're setting the foundation, we're setting the basis. They know jump run. They know exits. They know uh, group setups. The, the, we make sure they know everything. Where in organizing, you don't do that. And this is where Nicole comes in very handy. The most common name for the person to manifest is a manifest what? Lovely lady. Yeah, you didn't call her that name. But no, uh, Nicole, I love you. People will call him the manifest bitch, and it's not uncommon at a drop zone that people, new jumpers in particular, are intimidated by manifest. As soon as you get to know these ladies, they're wonderful, they're nice, just talk to them, and they're going to be great. Be nice to them, ask them friendly. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just get there in time? No, you nailed it. Sweet. Um, but uh, um, they're intimidated by that, so teaching them to manifest. So number one, it's not organizing because those daily fundamentals of getting on or out the plane uh, is going to be addressed. When organizing, you should know how to do these things. The other part that really separates this program from organizing is, is, is if Chuck Akers, by the way, our new president of USPA, uh, Chuck Akers at our drop zone does an organized jump, he's got to have a minimum number of people. It just isn't. I, we hate to, I have to think in business, it's not fruitful for the drop zone to give away so many damn free slots. And quite frankly, the number of free slots Skydive Spaceland gives a mentor program is, is phenomenal. Man, if they did that with organizing as well, it, it would be broken. But at lower levels, we don't have the skill set to do six, seven, eight ways. We don't have the safety set to do those things. So the big difference with the mentor program is not just that foundational, informational, make me feel good security stuff, but it's also we are doing, and, and you mentioned it, small group coaching. You're getting briefed. You're walking. You're dirt diving. In free fall, you're getting organized and put in positions that will make you successful to learn, will make you also work to learn, um, and then you land with a good thorough debrief. I see organized jumps. I think Tex is, is really uh, ridiculous in a good way. I think Carlos and the Fly for Life boys are ridiculous in a good way where, where their organized debriefs are closer to coaching than they are to debriefs. And in organized jumps, that really doesn't happen often. Kudos to those boys, by the way. That's nothing but respect. In mentor jumps, you are getting coaching. You're getting debriefs. We, I've said it on the show a million times. We come for the skydives. If you're going to keep talking, you got to turn that camera on yourself or it's going to drive crazy. God dang it. No, <laughs> I, I used to tell you the same thing, and I get it, man. And I, there we there go. We I go. finally got me there. Um, no, I die, man. Uh, you come for the skydives, you stay for the skydivers. So we also talked a lot about what we can change, what we can do, how we can get them hooked to the culture of the sport. Actually, Gravity Lab Radio was a good example with our film festivals, our movie nights, um, our soon-to-be Gravity Lab radio is almost two things as the future comes gravity lab radio is the podcast i've been thinking about this lately gravity lab man can't we be doing more cool shit in freefall mr lot in freefall because what i'm talking about is we are talking about starting to host some skydiving events as well we'll be talking about that more you and i a uh, buddy of ours, a guy named Jeffro Provenzano, Red Bull Air Force fella, is looking to come to Houston for an excuse or to do to do a few things. We have some really cool, really good friends who do some really cool shit as well. So we are looking at hosting some weird, goofy, fun, super organized, super structured, super I don't know what or uh, skydiving events. So w what can you do as an entity just to have, let people have fun? So that's really what my speech was about. That's that's what we talked about. Um, I want to address a quick question. 
Uh, Jacob, I'm going to screw your last name up. Uh, Borchending. Sounds like the Swedish chef. <laughs> um, I'm yeah, sorry, Jacob. Make fun of the listeners. That's I'm a good place sorry. to start. <laughs> Jacob, I love you, man. Um, uh, where, how can we see or hear the seminars from PIA? And it's very unfortunate right now. The seminars at, PI, at PIA that I know of aren't really aired as a whole. Every now and then you'll find one. For example, manufacturers like Performance Design might have theirs out on their Facebook page. Uh, Bo Reby did Tip Tuesday uh, live where he did a packing seminar live and they actually stream that. Um, other than that, you won't see a, a lot of them out there. But I will uh, direct you to uh, BPA Skydive the Expo. If you go to BPA, uh, if you search YouTube for BPA Skydive the Expo, they list all their seminars, and, and theirs is hosted by their British Parachute Association. Some people say it's BAM Parachuting altogether because they are pretty stringent and strict in their policies. I like their policies, by the way. Um, but they do have all these seminars there. Some of the speakers here were there, um, and all of them are live. So search for YouTube, BPA Skydive the Expo, and you can see 2018, 19, 17. You can see them all, man. It's a super, super great resource for some of these seminars. And, guys, if you have other questions about what's happening at PIA, uh, we're going to try to monitor some of the boards and uh, answer questions. And, yeah, Kevin Craig, we have no drinks tonight. We all have uh, waters. I did bring beer, yeah. but I haven't opened one yet. You haven't opened one yet? No, maybe I'll get to it. Today Today has been a cheat day. I drank way too much. Last week was a fucking cheat day, bro. I did have a cheat day then, too. That was <laughs> Yeah, meal. you did, man. <laughs> so, um, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, no, wait a minute. I want everybody... <laughs> All right, Justin, how you doing? Pretty good. You look fancy on that couch with that shirt over there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so uh, the, the the seminars, man, one of my favorite seminars I've seen, and I didn't go to it this year, but Bill Booth every year speaks on something different. And uh, you, you get to see Bill Booth talk about one year he called it All My Children, and nobody understood what it was about, so nobody's sure. Like, who wants to hear about Bill Booth's fucking kids? Um, but they renamed it, and what it really was is All My Children. He is the father of the three-ring release system in skydiving. He is the father of the hand-deploy pilot shoot in skydiving. He is the father of the Mard skyhook system. He's the father of tandem skydiving and of a Collins lanyard. Some, some of the biggest and best designs we have have come out of Bill Booth's uh, uh, company, you know, whether it's him or, or the group he works with. So listening to Bill talk about it. Do you know who Ted Strong is? I know that he also developed a tandem system. So, first of all, Bill Booth and Ted Strong, that's right, Bill and Ted, they developed... Yeah, sounds like an excellent adventure. Dude, Aren't they remaking that joke? Oh God, are are they? they? I saw something about that. Oh, please, man. Uh, Bill and Ted, uh, their excellent adventure was actually fathering... Are you going to look this up for us? Yeah. They're actually fathering skydiving or tandem skydiving together, and it's really neat because in the beginning, we went without droves because we didn't realize we needed them. Um, in the first 100 tandem jumps, Bill Booth estimates a 50% malfunction rate because they were tandem terminal on every jump, and the canopy would blow up every other jump. The and they couldn't figure out why? The joke was the main was there to slow you down so you could deploy a reserve. Jesus. Um, early on, they didn't have lower hookups, so the student would slide and fly around, and there's pictures oh, of wow. Bill. So Bill and his secretary. <coughs> I've seen this. Ted and his secretary. Yes. Yeah, it's a dope photo, <laughs> dude. Yes. Droglas, student soft set looking like boomerangs side by side. Um, and their fear was with the lowers, with those hard openings, it would snap the body. So they re <laughs> eventually realized, wait a minute, the, the main parachute is not to slow us down to open the reserve. The drogue is there to slow us down to open the main. 
Um, he even talks about how at once upon a time, we actually put the student on the back and the instructor in front. So it started with, I'm going to be in front. You're going to be on back <laughs> with a uh-huh. rig on your back. <laughs> Get behind me. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what if... Let a, me clear the way. What a phenomenal seminar. One I missed that I really wanted to go to is, uh, do you know who James LeBerry is? Who LeBerry? I know that name. Uh, maybe LeBarry, and I'm sorry, James, if I mispronounce your it's name. L a b a r r e. R i yes, sir. He owns Beyond Marketing, and Beyond Marketing is a marketing company working specifically with skydiving, but also outside the industry. Melissa Nelson Lowe also works. Okay, for him. that's right. Uh, he did one about uh, maximizing your use of Instagram, and I have I've not as you already know because you helped me with Instagram. I don't use Instagram well right now. And, or much, and the reason we don't is because I don't know how to use it right. Because I don't know how to use it right, I just don't use it much. But uh, I did not get to hear his seminar about how to use it better. Fortunately, you know uh, Kara Michelle, I don't know her real last name, on Facebook, Kara Michelle Skydive West Plains. Yeah. Uh, really pretty girl uh, with Sergey. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were there. Yeah, and I she, ran into Sergey. Yeah, she sat me down, and, and she's like, yeah, I went to this one. I asked everybody I saw, all my friends I saw there, what's the favorite seminar you went to if they went to seminars? What's your favorite booth you went to if you went to booth? And hers was was James. And I'm like, so, and dude, I drilled her for 30 minutes on his seminar. So I basically got it through her. And then he sat down and introduced himself to me later. And I'm like, hey, bro, hold on a second. I need to talk to you. So we're, we will be maximizing our use of Instagram a little bit more. I was, uh, I was actually doing the uh, DZO conference when he did that. So I, I just couldn't make both. Um, there are seminars on, on uh, choosing the right canopy. That was done uh, years ago, maybe four years ago, by John LeBlanc. And, dude, to listen to John LeBlanc, one of the greatest canopy minds ever, to say choosing the right canopy and, and, and what that really interprets to is PD's path of progression. If you want to turn into a swooper, this is a path of canopies you should choose. If you want to get into accuracy, this is a path, you know. And so what canopies and PDs line up uh, uh, cater to what, which makes me laugh because a lot of people don't really understand canopies that well. Albert Berktold, you know Al? Have you met Albert before? Uh, I I haven't met him, but I know his name. He is the uh, secretary for USPA and also the, uh, or it's not, sorry, secretary, treasurer for USPA and on the board and also works in marketing for PD. He did that one this year, so he, he did a great job. Um, there's there's so many, including uh, military applications. So I th- that's the thing you were most uh, shocked by, I think. Yeah, I was really surprised to see what percentage of the companies uh, who were out on the expo floor were geared totally towards military. Like uh, they don't they don't do sport parachuting at all. No, it's all military. Wow. Because I mean, when you think about it, when you think about <laughs> like if you look at the cost of what you know the what it took to build the Pentagon and how much they paid for a toilet seat or whatever. <laughs> you know, those ridiculous numbers that if, if the government's paying for it, all of a sudden all the prices go up, but the government has the money, so what do they give a shit? Like even when I was at uh, Skydive San Diego watching the military train there, it's like, do they send a f- uh, an, an otter for four people? Like, and that's just a regular thing. And it's like, there aren't many civilian skydiving companies that c- can afford to yeah. do that consistently, right? So it makes sense that uh, if you know how to get that military business, that there's probably a, a fair chunk of change to, to be to be had there. So there were a lot of um, yeah, a lot of tactical stuff, a lot of uh, things that were just all you know that army green color that's everywhere. That uh, there were lots of those sorts of booths that were not geared towards sport parachutists, and it just really. I think it opened my eyes to how big the the skydiving and parachuting industry really is and how much uh 
I guess I wasn't really thinking about how much money there there is in it, but just the the reach of it is it's a lot bigger than I than it is in my brain. A lot know? more than what we're exposed to. Yeah, yeah cuz I mean you go to a drop zone and you see the people there and it kind of feels like I mean maybe this is just me and my self-centered way of looking about skydiving, but it's like it just feels like <laughs> it almost feels like all this stuff exists for me to have fun, right? <laughs> That's just how it feels at a drop zone and there's just uh there's a lot more behind. I I would say m- would you say more than half of what's on the expo floor is is military stuff? Man, um that's a hard number uh, because really I, it almost divides into thirds. So you've got sport. When I say sport, drop zones, skydive Spaceland, skydive Arizona, skydive or Paris Valley Skydiving Center, Chicago skydive Chicago. But realistically, it, those drop zones aren't really there for the attraction of the fun jumper, although they're there. And then I, uh, I say there, well, we also, because I spent a little time with uh, Spaceland, we're there for the fun jumper, but the real attraction for us in marketing is the military presence. I mean, there's so many nonstop military guys there. Um, I would say another third of the booth is sport industry. Um, 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 Option Studios, who does a lot of graphic design and marketing stuff for us. Um, uh, uh, canopies are specifically to civilian sectors. For example, performance designs is more dominantly catering to civilian. Anything PD does for the military is done through CPS, complete co- consolidated parachute solutions, um, or is it complete? I forget which now. Um, I uh, complete parachute uh, systems solutions solutions. Sorry. Um, uh, so you have a bunch of civilian stuff there, and then the other third is military application. Um, and when I say uh, sp- uh, industry stuff, there's sewing machine manufacturers there. There, the dopest scissors you will ever see are probably there because uh, you actually ran across Kelly Farrington, uh, owner of Infinity. And what yeah. was he doing? He was looking at webbing, nerding the fuck out on this webbing. <laughs> and he's showing me, oh, yeah, you can do this and finger trap it here and you can do this and then check out this built-in elastic. <laughs> I was like, like, I'm super happy to see that you're so excited about this. Like, because I can't, I can't appreciate that stuff for what it is because mm-hmm. I've never had to build a harness before. I don't know. I don't know what is super helpful. And he's showing me things that, like, th- oh, look at this webbing and how it weaves through this other webbing, and this is going to make harnessing. And it's like, th- that seems awesome. I just can't appreciate it, you know? Same thing, like, with you guys in the scotch. Like, super happy you guys find the scotch that you enjoy, but it's wasted on me because my brain just doesn't doesn't know enough about it. But, yeah, Kelly was nerding out real hard at the webbing booth. We were we were in the LB booth and we were we- nerding on webbing. It was Jeffro, uh, Jacob. You met Jacob, the production manager for LB, and myself. And LB's looking at maybe having some belts available for people who want to purchase or buy. So a we were looking at the webbing we had and it was multicam webbing, and then looking at the buckle options that we had and what type of buckles and then what finish of buckles that he wanted. And that, that's just on the casual side. Now go back to the guys looking at webbing, looking at thread type, looking at scissor type, looking at how machines work, uh, looking at, at parachute systems that, that are made, like you said, for military delivery. In other words, guys jumping out with bundles and barrels and dropping in. Yeah, like off. a 500-pound barrel suspended 20 feet below you. Mm-hmm. You're in the middle, and then there's a drogue. What, what, do you know the, the length on a drogue bridle? Man, I don't, off the top of my head, no. I should. I'm just going to say it's 20 feet. I'm making that up. I don't think it's quite that long. 15. 15? I, I, I'm throwing it out there. Whatever. But imagine a 500-pound barrel below you, you're in the middle, and then the drogue is what's above you. <laughs> and you're this giant stretched out thing in free fall. It's super crazy looking. 
It, then think about landing, and that barrel lands first. When it hits <laughs> the ground, it's basically a pivot point. It's an anchor because now it stops, and all the momentum above it continues on. So from the barrel up, it moves forward like a pendulum effect and basically can slam the jumper face first, canopy first into the ground, unless the jumper knows how to fly that anchor and that unloading point, which... Uh, working with 4th Recon, the Marines that keep coming to see me with other courses, we've we've done a lot of barrel talk and barrel work. They've brought me videos and asked me to coach them on barrel work, which I've not jumped. I have a fundamental understanding of the coaching of it. And then Jay Stokes has taught barrel courses for years, uh, has been my consultant for that. So Is that similar to landing with like a big flag or something? Man, commonly worse because a big flag, even that weight, usually will drag and move some. And usually that big flag, there's some give to the lanyard. Where with these barrels, it's bang and tension. It's literally an anchor. Yeah, so it is as anchor as you can get. So it gets. Imagine tying a coke machine to the front of you, pushing it out of the airplane, and following it because it told you to. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had no other option. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like an exciting skydive. If I try and drink as many of those cokes on the way down, yeah, lessen right? the problem. <laughs> Man, what I'm is this barrel full of exactly? <laughs> is if it I maybe an American oak cask? If I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> it's full of Marines. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is quite a big Marine, uh, not Marine, military thing. It, it is. There, there's tons. You you spent a bit of time in the LB booth with us. Uh, yeah, thank you guys, you, you guys so had much. the best vibe. It was a, I mean, maybe <laughs> I had the most friends there, too, that I knew the, the Apple the store. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can see the Apple imagery in some of the products, especially the boxes and like the, you know, the, the outfits even. You can see, you can feel that it's trying to, to find that same vibe. But to me, it's just too, it's like, it, sure, it's a little nerdy in, in some of the, the tech of it, but it's just a very different feel than the Apple store. So I, I don't get that experience at all, but I can see how... That's uh, kind that's of where y'all were after. doing the live streams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally looked like an Apple store. I mean, literally, <laughs> we're all wearing Lululemon outfits. I didn't, I didn't even outfits. have that thought at all. We're all wearing matching Lululemon outfits, shirts, <laughs> pants. Which I mean, I've made fun of you for Lululemon. You guys were just looking good, and I bet you were comfortable as shit, weren't you, dude? <laughs> Lululemon pants can run you about one hundred thirty bucks a pair. I will never pay one hundred thirty bucks for a fucking pair of Lululemon pants. I take that back. I got them for this event because it was required of me. Um, I wore them for this event. And, dude, if I'm not out in the field getting dirty, if I'm just in the classroom all day or just in the office all day, I'm on a plane flying. I'm driving. Dude, they look good. They look dressy. But they're casual. And, dude, driving. I drove home in a pair. Most comfortable driving pants I've ever been in, and they still look like I'm wearing slacks. You just wait till you put on some of those lady stretchy pants. It's going to change your life. Mm, I wear those already. You know what I'm uh, Dude, I wore stretchy pants today for the first time in so long. It was great. Oh, they are making Bill and Ted 3, by the way. It's not a reboot. It's a third movie. With Keanu and the other guy yes, that nobody knows? same guy. Is he coming back? Uh-huh. God Alex damn. Winters, I think. I looked yeah, it up. Yeah, no one knows who that I is. I would not have known that had I not just looked it up. Yeah, Alex Winter. Okay, so uh, back to where I interrupted you. You were going to tell me about Tom Noonan's presentation. Um, I am, but I'm trying to remember how to how to work this the controls here. You need me to stall. No, yeah, I'm <laughs> stalling. So uh, if you're watching the feed, sorry, I didn't do a good job of, of picking up how to get this into a full screen. Uh, oh yeah, the L and B booth. Justin's not that. here. So man, first of all, I'll tell you, I gotta I gotta give a shout out because I spent a week with these motherfuckers right here. The L and B booth to the far right is a fellow named Jacob. He's a production manager for LB. He's the guy who oversees all the products getting built and made. Super, super good egg. He's from Denmark. Damn good time. 
L Dub, Laura Wagner, we all know Laura, uh, super sweetheart, who eventually is going to come be on the show. She's another Texan, and she has been on the LB team for years. Super, super killer little shredder. Um, you got that dork right there, me, uh, with right next to me a young lady named Roberta Mancino. Uh, Roberta is an Italian model, badass skydiver, badass free flyer. Rough night, by the way, standing between Roberta and Laura. Really break my heart. Uh, Stefan there is the software engineer. He really is the brains behind what's going on. So the devices come out of his brain, his mind. He, he works all that magic. Uh, and next to him is a young lady named Claire Marie. Claire is best known to the world as Base Girl. She is a traveling base jumper slash mountain biker. Uh, joined the team for the first time this year. Kind of actually filled a gap that fell loose at last second, but was a super, super awesome addition to the team. Oh, by the way, Stefan is also known as Technical Yoda. That's what Jeffro has nicknamed him. And then uh, next to Claire is the Godfather. Jeffro calls him the Godfather. I call him the Mads Scientist. Do you know I call him the Mads Scientist? I mean, other than that's his first name? His name is Mads. His name is Mads Larson of Larson and Bruce Guard. Um, so LB altimeters used to be LNB or Larson and Bruce Guard. And Mads is, God bless that man, such such a wonderful person. Next to Matt is Monica Akins. Uh, Monica's husband, Luke Akins, was supposed to be there. Always is Mrs. Tripp. Jeffro Provenzano, which, dude, we got some talking to do. We got to figure out what we're doing with Jeffro. Dude, anything that Jeffro wants to do, I'm fully doing. Oh, my God. I, I never yeah. really... We, we've known each other from two, since 2012. We've been to events together here and there. I got to know him for the first time, like... Spend day with him and stuff. Dude, what a fucking character, man. What a good what a good time. Yeah, I, I don't know him all that well, but he's been a super good dude for, for every interaction I've had with him. He is a, a, he is a celebrity to a, to a point, no doubt about it. People know him. People know who he is. He's done all sorts of movie stunt work. He is a Red Bull Air Force guy. He's done all sorts of really cool stunts and tricks. We did an interview with him. In L, for yeah, the a short LMB one. Yeah. And he, man, he's talked about how much fun he had doing that and how comfortable he felt. And to me, like those Skype conversations are like several magnitudes more awkward to get in the groove with than a live podcast when we have a when we have a guest here. Yeah. So the the fact that he had so much fun doing that, man, I I just really hope he comes here and and does the show, which I'm he is. I'm sure will happen yeah. eventually. But uh, yeah, he'd be a fun person to have involved in any event. We want to do some more things together. Um, I, I, I believe, and I don't know for sure, but really Jeffro and I and you, he, he, your name keeps coming up in our conversations. We want to do shit together. We want to do some more Gravity Labs slash Jeffro stuff slash LMB stuff. So we don't know what we're doing yet, guys. I'm going to promise you nothing. This is all empty threats and empty promises, but we're going to see what we can do to bring some more cool events with some really cool people out there. I, I will follow him with a camera wherever I can, wherever I can keep up. Dude, have at it, man. The last dude in that lineup is a guy named Kenneth, Kenneth Gaja. Kenneth is the uh, is a rigger at LMB, or not LMB, but at, um, what's that called, UPT. He runs a rigging loft there. Super, super, super smart guy, and he is also uh, kind of runs the same role I do at, at LB. Does a lot of uh, pre-production testing, pre-early uh, uh, stage testing, and product development. He helps uh, Stefan, and I'm kind of in that little group with them, so... Lucy did share a couple nights there too, did she not? Lucy, uh, Lucy is one of our local host, uh, Houston girls, super sweetheart of a young lady. She was there just the same night as you. She was part of our Wednesday night crew. So Wednesday night, Tuesday night, we're at dinner, and uh, Jeffro is sitting across <laughs> from me, and like, dude, 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 we we need to get Miles here. We need Miles Dasher here. We need Miles Davis here. We need Miles <laughs> Dasher here. Um, we we need to get him here and. 
five minutes later, he's on the phone. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm talking to Miles. I'm talking to Miles. Gets off, and so is he in? Oh, dude, he's, he's talking to his wife. And, you know, Jeff was sharing this whole story with all of us. Five minutes later, he's back on the phone. Uh, Miles Dasher's wife approves of this thing. So the whole ride home, we're like, what do we got to do? We got to get a PA system, which we've got a dope speaker now for Gravity Lab Radio. We went to some sound stage store to buy some new things. So we have two handheld wireless mics and a speaker, and LB bought it for the Miles Dasher show that we put on at, at, at uh, LB or at PIA. And when we loaded the car, Jacob goes, DJ's taking it home anyways. I'm like, yeah, no, Jacob, I'm not taking this home. I flew here. Jeffrey, how did you get here? I flew here. DJ, you're taking it home. I'm like, bro, he's like, it's either you or what's that girl's name? Uh, Laura Wagner, because you're the only two who drove here. So uh, LMB will now officially sponsor any of our ground shows because they provided that sound system for us. So so super cool stuff. It's a good looking hat you're wearing. Nice. Oh, dude, I love it, man. I I, I got this nice little hat. Um, so Miles, you, because uh, really, uh, I, I'm sure you felt this. You were brought into the booth when you showed I, up. I feel like I got bullied into having a bunch of new friends at that booth. <laughs> it was a good feeling. Um, <laughs> uh, you say you got bullied into it, man. I sent. I, I just felt like overly welcomed there. That's what. That's all I mean. Um, when did I send you the text message that you're going to dinner and you have no choice? Oh, the day that Wednesday. Yeah, I think I was on my way there. I was driving. Yeah, Wednesday, uh, the three of us are hanging out trying to take care of setting up miles and and. Uh, Jeffrey was like, okay, we got to figure out dinner tonight. So he runs down. We got the usual suspects. And then we got Miles. Valerie's going to be in town, which that was our anniversary night, dude. That was dope. And uh, and he mentioned your name. And I'm like, hey, guys, I didn't say anything to Nick about dinner. I, I'm not, I didn't. And J- Jacob B. Media goes, Nick? No, Nick, he's coming to dinner. Nick is us. Nick does our thing. He knows your role in the LB feed. By the way, Mads and Jacob, love your new intro, dude fucking awesome. crushed That's good. it, Sweet. dude. So if you watch the LB feed, you're going to see we have a little new uh, video intro into that. Uh, nothing crazy, nothing big, but it is sweet as hell. It's, it's not big. No, it's not long, but it, it is very It's not long. It's not, it's but it's but thick. It, but it means a lot. <laughs> but, um, it's emotional connection. So yeah, you, you really kind of got bullied into joining the booth. No, I, I felt super welcome, man. It was a, it was a ton of fun, and uh, dinner was super delicious. Are you, you going to talk about how we rolled the dinner? Man, I'll let you It's a super fun story. <laughs> okay, so I'll just tell you because this will be easier. So uh, the the night's wrapping up at the, on the expo floor, and I was chatting with uh, with uh, Adam from uh, SSK, and uh, DJ said, hey, uh, we're going to meet out in the lobby in 10 minutes. Cool, awesome, whatever. I go out there. It's uh, DJ, uh, all, all the, the pretty girls that he just showed in that picture, all the, all the pretty girls are hanging out. Um and uh, yeah, the, the the other people from L and B, we were waiting for Jeffro and uh, and Miles to show up. And then the, the the crew gets together, and we just start wandering outside. And I didn't know what was happening. I thought we, I didn't know who was driving. I didn't even know where we were going. And I start. Follow- I think I actually told you, don't worry, we got some cars. And when I said we got some cars, we have some Ubers. And we're gonna go out and get in the cars. Yeah, maybe that's what I had understood. I don't even yeah. remember you explaining that to me, but I just I didn't feel like I needed to do anything other than wait for everybody. I was not in control of anything. I was just along for the ride. So we're walking out, and we're walking out, and I'm following this line of people, and we end up at a limo, and I'm like, <laughs> just kind of looking around, like, are there other limos around here? Like, is this <laughs> normal? Because I had never been to dinner with this group. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know what I. DJ made it sound like dinners were fun, but I didn't like. It was like, what's what? 
who are these people? What's happening? So, and everyone, we're just getting in the limo like it's normal. And I'm still waiting for someone to address the fact that we're getting into a fucking limousine. <laughs> and then I think we had even been in the limo for a couple of minutes before someone else brought up like, hey, like, what are we doing in this limo right now? And someone, someone had looked up the price of the three Ubers it was going to take to get us all to the to the restaurant. And I was like, oh, well, the limo is the same price. So we're just going to do this instead. That's awesome. So it was, a, it was both practical and the a decision that... And baller. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly erred on the side of fun, you know, to just roll up in a limo. And it wasn't a long drive to the restaurant. It was, you know, 10, ten minutes and then... Uh, I got to give some love to Monica Akins because Mon is who figured this out. And what happened is... Monica did the math? Yeah. Well, she didn't even do the math. She did the math, but some limo driver pulls up to the front of the hotel like, anybody want a limo ride? And Mon's like, yeah, how much? And the dude spits a price out. And she's like, mm, did the math real quick. and says, no, nah, if you can do it for this much, we'll consider it. And the guy's like, okay, I'll do it for this much. And Monica's like, nah, we're good. And walks away. And a couple minutes later, he says something again. She's like, there's the price. And he's like, okay, we're good. What a badass. And uh, <laughs> dude, Monica, she, she do fucking half Asian bitch. That's why. Half Japanese. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she looks white too. We're the two whitest half Japanese motherfuckers you ever met. <laughs> two half Japanese people together, and we still make a white person. <laughs> um, oh, I loved your hashtag well, on that one photo of you oh, guys. Which one? Blinking or Blinking Asian. Or Asian. <laughs> <laughs> dude, we just celebrated our First year anniversary of our first recording. Happy anniversary, Nick. That's two years. Two years. Two, that's what I said. Yeah. Our second year anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I swear to God, only tea. I'm going to crack open a beer in just a second now that you brought that up. Man. Uh, celebrate. So, A, Monica is the one who figured it out. She was one who was baller enough to put that together. And, yeah, you're right. It, it was that. We were actually getting... As, as we were leaving for dinner, the Spaceland crew was next to us. A bunch of my friends and a bunch of Spacelanders. Christy West, Hank, Chris Fudala, they're all sitting there. And, and a couple of the guys are talking about what, what are you guys doing for dinner. I'm like, oh, we're going to go to dinner. And, and I really wanted to say, come hang out at dinner with us. Like, come find a table near us or something. But at the same time, uh, we're going to go take over like basically half of a restaurant set and done with the crew we had. Because we took an Uber and a limo. We didn't all fit in one car to get there. Um and also, man, LMB has some really nice dinners. And quite frankly, I'm not going to frequent the restaurants that we go to on those dinners. <laughs> Dude, I felt super spoiled. I was definitely, I felt like I was uh, just being included in someone else's special occasion. You, so it was nice for, for those guys to be able to celebrate. Uh, you know, they don't come to the States all that often. It's been a couple of years for them. And that you and Val are kind of having this uh, undercover <laughs> anniversary celebration. Not that it was undercover, but it just, uh, I guess it was more of a coincidence. No, it, it was a coincidence, but the LB boys knew that it was our anniversary. I made sure that it, some of the guys and gals knew. Um, I don't really care. I, d I do care, Val. I take that back. I love you, baby doll. Uh, but as much as I wanted it to, we, we don't celebrate our anniversary on the date. We never have. We celebrate on the date that's convenient to celebrate it. If I'm, my anniversary's on a Saturday, fuck you, I ain't going out to a restaurant. Right, you, you, you do the same move that an ex you know someone who's working and skydiving does to celebrate a milestone. Like You might end up doing a tandem on your 5,000th jump, but you're going to celebrate 5,000 with your buddies when, when it works out for everybody. For right? sure, right? And uh, so I made sure they knew just because everybody said something about at some point, people made a big deal. And when we go to, this doesn't happen at every restaurant, but when we go to an Italian joint, Roberta is Italian, and she will actually walk into the place. The first thing she asks at any Italian joint, did you, did you hear what they said she does? Well, I heard and believe that I saw her walk straight back into the kitchen. 
and just start talking <laughs> shit. Not, not talking shit. I don't know what was happening back there, but she is Italian. So she's going into the kitchen of an Italian restaurant and be like, who's Italian? Dude, the night before, <laughs> we're at a place called Pacini's, and we walk up to the hostess stand, and the first thing she does is a new Italian joint. First thing she does is, who here's Italian? Nobody. I'm Italian. You don't know that. And I mean, and she's so nice and so sweet. I mean, I really think she's a nicer lady than she is pretty, and she's she's a very pretty woman. Uh, she wins people over doing this. She like you could very quickly think, man, she's a cunt. She's a bitch. She she's a piece. Like, but no, if you watch her do it, man, she makes friends doing it. And at that restaurant, the Charles, she ended up walking back in the kitchen and finding out who the chef was and asking if he was Italian, which I, I don't know if he was. But then she lays down our menu, Pacini's and the Charles. We, we sat down to dinner. We ordered a drink. Food started showing up. Yeah, showing I didn't up. see a menu at all. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know, like, to me, it almost felt like, dude, it felt, I felt so spoiled. Like, it just felt like we showed up. And like that the chef was just like, yes, I've prepared this meal for you. Like it just it felt so everything felt super right and balanced. Like the amount of food that came out was super good. The 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 variation in the food was really good. Everything went well with the like I <laughs> it's probably the most wine I've had in quite a long time <laughs> because I would just take a sip of my wine and be like, yeah, I'm really not drinking all that much. But every time I would have some wine and set the glass back down. Someone from the staff was coming back to refill my wine glass to keep it at this at this <laughs> level. So I don't know how how much wine I had. Skull, skull, skull. Hey, yeah, man. It was a lot of lot of toasts. It was, but man, it was it was a lot of fun. Super delicious. If good somebody company, good did you spill any of it? Nope, didn't shatter any wine glasses. My, my, my mom wasn't there. Uh, every time somebody didn't think somebody else was drinking enough, and, and you notice Nick saw, I'll hold my glass up, and at some point somebody else on the table will recognize that they'll hold their glass up, and eventually everybody will see it, and all of a sudden, skull, 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 S-K-O-L with the funny dots above it, and we all drink, and... It's neat because we were working. We had some British. Uh, th this word translates to "you're not drinking enough." Is that right? <laughs> <I t> <laughs> that's that's just what I thought I heard at the table. That's my understanding okay. too. Yeah, it is my understanding. Like drink more or something like that. Um, these British military guys had joined us for one night, and he was asking about it. And I'm like, "Well, man, this is my interpretation of it. Is number one, we need to drink more, but really, we didn't get drunk. If you know, like we were drinking, but." Everybody wasn't rowdy drunk. It was very, it was, we called a family dinner and you could see it's family it style. Was, it was a really good vibe. It was. And, and the food was, you know, textbook family style. For sure. Yeah. Like the way everything's being shared. Like yeah. that, a big group and family style dinner, like yeah. Italian or And uh, they're Chinese. not family style restaurants. It's just how we order. We order three of every app. We like order uh, three, like three different appetizers, depending on the size of the group, three or four of each. Two or three different salads, uh, enough for the group. Two or three or four entrees, two or three or four desserts, and and we just split and share it all. So, like, A, you never have to choose. But uh, the thing I told the British guy, and Nick, I think you'll connect it now, is for me, it connects the family. Because you're at a table of anywhere from 12 to 20 people. You can't talk to everybody. And that, that night, Nick and I almost barely communicated. There was a point I came to sit with you and, and celebrate with you. But most of the skulls, we just scolded to the group. But every now and then, you connected with one dude. And I'm sure you know it's every now and then we connected. We made that eye contact. And every now and then, you, you basically regularly just connected to somebody else in the group. Like, hey, hey, nice man. And almost every time, you know how when we shake hands in the plane, we make that connection? Those skulls were that connection. And, and it was common. Like, I would look at Jacob, and Jacob would see the conversation I was having. I would see the conversation he was having, and we both knew what was going on at that moment. And we were like, I see what you're doing over there. 
it's such a good way to have everybody raise their glass and make eye contact. That's what we were doing. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, hey, how you doing? The Danes, man, it's just such a blessed tradition they bring to that. Look, I'm done now. The camera's on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just a blessed tradition the w- the way they bring that about, man. It's it's LB is such a great company to their customers, and, and if you're a customer of LB, um, I, I, over time people have gotten to know and understand this a little bit more and more, and now it's easier for me to have full disclosure on the show. They don't sponsor the show, but I do work for them in a side capacity. I do a lot of projects and. Um, I, I got on board with them because of the way they treat the fucking customer, dude. Now they also treat their family that good. And it really, they're, they're such good people. And I, I can't thank Mads Larson, uh, although Niels Brusgard is no longer with the company. He's retired, nothing bad. Um, I, I just can't thank those fellas for setting the standard for customer service in this industry. All that dinner, all that attitude, you saw it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, Direct reflection of my experience of, of dealing with the company yeah. and how they will genuinely uh, take care of people in a in a meaningful way. It's almost like that they take pleasure in in, uh, in taking care of people, which is exactly how I felt at at dinner. But uh, the the only thing that I don't like about it is it, it opens them up to be exploited by by people who hear about how great of customer service they give mm-hmm. and uh, their willingness to kind of go the extra mile. I feel like some people take advantage of that, and I don't like that. But uh, everything else about the company is awesome. Their products are great. The people are great. Can't say enough good and stuff. And really, that. internally, LMB is, uh, LB, uh, I'm so used to saying LMB, and they will never complain, but you will notice the name is now LB, uh, LB Altimeters. They are really trying to close those holes internally, and one of the things you'll notice is the products now have a two-year warranty. Um, so if anything happens in the first two years, the coverage is phenomenal. After that... Man, we it, it, circumstances might dictate LB takes care of you, but at the same time, after two years, we can't make any promises. And unfortunately, it was because unscrupulous people. Right. I, I mean, I just encourage people to have some common sense. Like, what what else do you buy and own for two years and use as rough and as rugged as you want and that someone's just going to replace it for you, especially, like, electronics? Just yeah, not almost nothing. Yeah, so it's it's like, hey, these people are going to be super good. Even Even... I mean, I've seen people be really careless or just extremely rough on their gear and reach out to LMB and seen them just replace whatever whatever it was, even even at the fault of the of the jumper. And not not to say that I think that that's right, and I I think that people should be really reasonable when you, when you have an altimeter for a couple of years and you put a few thousand, you know, let's say you you put a thousand jumps on it in in two years, and now you drop it out of your helmet and it breaks on the ground, it's like, hey, you've kind of gotten your investment out of it and now you've kind of mistreated your gear. So to try and exploit this company who is all too willing to help people out to try and get a free altimeter, I just don't think that that's the right move to make. And not to say that LMB probably isn't going to, you know, I, th- I I think that they're kind and helpful to a fault. That uh, I think it's great that they pride themselves on their, on their service the way that they do. But... Uh, Shithead is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite adjective for skydivers, and uh, <laughs> I just just don't take advantage of a good thing because you'll because you'll ruin it for everybody else. Yeah. you can't call people shitheads. I love it, man. I want I want to <laughs> just real quickly uh, throw a shout out to a buddy to a guy named Dave. David, I'm sorry I don't remember your last name, and and I and I'll leave people a little bit in the dark on this conversation because it was a private personal conversation between Dave and myself. 
Um, David, thank you so much for spending time with me on the show. And I promised you that Nick and Justin and I would have a conversation about some of what we do on the show. And, and I promise you, actually, uh, I had that conversation last week with Nick and, and today with Justin. So guys and gals, we're definitely open to your criticism. This is how we become a better show. David brought us a criticism. <coughs> and, and David, like I said, uh, w- we will talk about it and we'll discuss it. Um, we're an unapologetic show. We, we are an uncensored show. And some of what he brought up was nothing he was offended by, but he was concerned people could be offended by. And, and uh, I hope we don't offend anybody. But at the same time, with, with much love and respect, David, we, we don't say anything really rude or mean. And, and we're probably not going to change that. But we're more cognizant of it now. I, I do think a lot of the mean words, like, like shitheads is an endearing term That's to a, me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I, I've called almost everyone of my friends a shithead or an asshole at some point or another and most most of the time it's like a it's like ribbing somebody it's a loving it's tough love you know well, it's like the industry i work in when you know, it's heavy construction oriented and most yeah. of the people around me have all worked in construction if you're not talking shit to someone or about someone you should be concerned <laughs> like if i'm not directly talking shit about what you're doing it's probably because i think you're a piece of shit and i hate you <laughs> but if i am talking shit it means i love you yeah it's all in good fun and, and all yeah. you got to do if, if if you're being bothered by it chances are all you need to do is send it back of learn how to yeah. return return the, that nudge in the same way or if you honestly and come to me and be like hey I, I, this this really bothers me okay i'll lay off yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> and, and and I think this is a similar, like that's a similar uh, point to what to what DJ was saying of like, yeah, if there is some things that maybe some people find offensive, maybe I'm gonna think twice about some some of the stuff I say. But chances are, I'm still just gonna keep being me. Yeah. I think that's what I like <laughs> so much about the show is I like I don't think any of us are outwardly malicious people. <laughs> like I say a lot of things in the interest of like we went to Cracker Barrel today. And I noticed at least at least five different times that I did something that I wouldn't normally do or say if I didn't have these other two people here who I knew were going to laugh about it, right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's just funny. Like, not every joke that's made is serious, obviously. That's, that's part of humor. And I think a lot of the, uh, sar- the, a lot of the remarks that we make, I think we're so comfortable with sarcasm that maybe some of it doesn't stand out as, as sarcasm. But I, I would love for anyone who's ever the guest in uh, the show, anyone who ever sits in this, in this seat, I want mom to be able to watch the show and not feel bad about th- about their kid or about anything that's said. And it's like, we have to be realistic about, like, I mean, how well do your parents know you? If you've never been yourself in front of your mom <laughs> and you come in the show and you're yourself, you're going to offend mom. I mean, there's a chance. My right? parents don't watch the show for a reason. Right, sure. They have a very high Christian standard and they respect that I'm not the same as them. Um, I want to, uh, so, so David, I want to, A, thank you very much for being open and honest and having a very constructive conversation. We have talked about it. We, again, we'll, we'll keep a lot of that internal conversation behind closed doors. But David, I know you download the show. I know you listen to the show. So do me a favor. Send me an email, Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. Tell me what size jersey you wear, and I will send you a free run, brother, just for ha- having the balls and being a man to stand up and talk to me about this stuff. So Now, now everyone's going to be talking shit to us. You talk jersey. shit to me all you want. I ain't giving you <laughs> shit, motherfuckers. Fuck but all you other motherfuckers. David, no, you're my boy. I, I really do appreciate anyone who offers up information in an effort to make the show better. Because you know, I I I don't listen to the show. I just don't like my my. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I don't think I can either. Because my every, every video interview that I've done, every interview that I've ever done for a project, for a story, or anything else, the first thing that I do, the first thing that I do when I go through an interview with someone, 
is I go through and I cut out all of my questions. I cut out all of my talking because I don't want to hear my stupid voice <laughs> as I go through and be like, God, why did I ask that that way? Oh, why didn't I think about this question yeah. in that moment? And I just, I, uh, I'm really good at being that terrible critic for myself. And I don't want to listen to two hours of that, you know. So I don't watch the show. So I really appreciate the people who uh, watch the show. This is a really good idea. <laughs> DJ's joining us back out front. Did, if you guys did are you just turn listening. that mic up first because I had it down. <laughs> but uh, no, I I appreciate anybody that has anything uh, constructive to offer about the show, um, whether it's hey you kind of lost me here or hey you should have let that person keep talking there. Well, I would have loved to hear about this next time you have this person on. Maybe you should talk about this or hey I would love to see you guys have this person as a guest. All that stuff is uh, super helpful. So please uh, please keep that coming. But um, just because you have an opinion doesn't mean we have to listen to you either. <laughs> the same but, time. I but like this free form format here. Dude, this is kind of cool, man, having all three <laughs> of us together this for once. Really you know, you know really what it feels strange. like is being in the back of the car when it's on cruise control? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who's at the fucking wheel? We're on autopilot. <laughs> so those of you asking questions on Facebook, we can't see shit anymore because we're all on the front page. I wanna, I'm going to kind of give us a direction for the rest of the show so we know what's about to happen. I'm going to start with Ben Willis. Ben um, you can download this. Go to your phone, go to iTunes, go to your favorite podcast app, download every show you want and listen and catch up. And Ben, I'm going to answer your question. But Ben's at saying, hey man, I joined late and, and I, I don't know what I missed. I want to know about a few things. Man, you don't need to listen to this show live. I don't have the time to listen to my favorite shows live. Download the audio podcast, search iTunes, search anything. If you don't know how to, send me a direct message on Facebook. Send the Gravity Lab Radio page a message, Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. Hit us up and let us know. But what we're about to hit up is a few things. Number one, Ben wants to know what our favorite anything was. Inside, outside the show, what our favorite anything was. We're going to talk about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Infinity uh, and what I saw from them at the show because that is amongst some of my favorite things that I saw. And uh, we're going to go a little bit long tonight, but I've been asked on several occasions to speak on sponsorships, how to earn them and what to expect out of them. And, and Nick recently, in the last couple years, has really wor uh, worked himself into the world of, uh, of, of sponsorships um, to probably the best celebration this past week. Um, Nick has really solidified some of his relationships, and I think going to PIA is very important to building those relationships. So that's kind of where we're going with this. So Ben asked, what's our favorite parts? Nick? My favorite part, honestly, the just, limo. just <laughs> like, no, the limo was cool. It was. But uh, I guess I guess that partially in, involves my answer of just like w with skydiving, you come for the skydives, you stay for the people. I, that's kind of become a cliche thing that we've said a lot of, a lot of times on the show and in the world of uh, skydiving in general. But you just run into so many people and you get to have a lot of, you know, a lot of catching up, a lot of fun conversations. You find other people that have... You know, the same passions that you do about skydiving or, you know, the people who are... I never thought I would work in marketing at all. And I still, <laughs> my brain, I don't think that I do. Like, my brain doesn't process anything of what I do as, as marketing. But it's great to hear how, how other people think and interact with the world through through marketing. Um, but you get it. You just have these, other, you know, these conversations about people who share your passions. And it's great to connect and, and have fun that way so there's kind of a productive passionate work side of of the of it that's fun and then it's just good people man i definitely st uh, start for the skydive stay for the skydivers the, the skydivers is a big part of it um you said after visiting that you could visit the expo floor in one night and that's all you need and i told you that's not going to last and the statement was 
you can only make it through half the floor because you can't make it too far past the conversation. Like, well, I was in one booth for an hour because I was catching up with a buddy, and then I got one booth later, and I caught up with that buddy for another hour. I really only genuinely was a visitor that at, at one booth uh-huh. where I didn't know anyone, where I kind of listened to someone spiel, you know? What was it? The, the Revel camera booth? Yeah, that, yeah. That cap? That's where I saw you with Dan Croft. Yeah, yeah, and I think Dan had, had just rolled up right about the same time that, that you had. But uh, I listened to their presentation. They have a pretty unique but seemingly untested uh, video solution. And they're, so they have this uh, stabilized camera that's programmed with a bunch of algorithms to recognize different parts of the skydive. It uses... Um, facial recognition software uh, for part uh, of it. Facial recognition is one of them. And then there's like a... What's the... It's a tool that detects G-forces. What would Accelerometer? You Accelerometer is one. And they had another one. He, sa- he said this word that I didn't even recognize as a word I had heard before. <laughs> but um, just different different measuring devices inside of the camera that talks to the editing software that tells it what part of the of the skydive is happening. So for the for the exit and for the and for the spins and for the the <coughs> facial recognition for the times that they're geeking the camera, or whatever. So it's just uh, an automated uh video shooting and editing system but uh it's pretty expensive and the camera didn't see all that seem all that well tested it just doesn't seem like they've they've had it out at many other drop zones and uh i didn't actually get to see the software work mm-hmm. but it seems like a lot of that is behind the scenes but uh i just don't trust robots yet <laughs> it's a neat idea it's a neat system i saw it in the dzo conference while i was waiting my turn i kind of was playing with it and checking it out so I said I didn't want to interrupt Greg Miller by walking in just by playing with toys in the background. Um, and it seems like a really great idea, but it's not proven idea yet. Oh yeah, I would say that that's pretty true. If, if it works like they're saying and hoping it's going to work, then uh, it, they, they might really be onto something. One of the neat things it's designed to do is you land, you drop your computer in a docking station. You drop the camera in the, in the docking that's station. That's what I meant. Yeah, camera. Derp. In a docking station, and now it says, this camera's home, grab this footage, plug it into the software because it has all these other pieces of information built in it can ed- there's no editor required is the goal right yeah so there, there's not an editor um which I, I really don't know how i feel about it again because i just don't i haven't seen any of it work and i just don't trust robots because they're trying to kill all of us in the future <laughs> it's true i saw terminator but um skynet <laughs> siri is skynet by the way well, amazon is skynet what's the actually what's a, the a alexa alexa is definitely skynet yes but the thing that I that the program does that I really like is it automatically sends people their email or to to their email it sends their photos and like a 60 second version of the video and a 45 second version of the video and a 15 second version of the video so that if well you know whatever oh and it sends them you know what a boomerang video is for Instagram that just plays back and forth yeah. that same second it yeah, sends yeah. them. With, a couple boomerang videos too, which I thought was kind of cool. That's something that Steve and V Shortcut could probably do. Yeah, they just have to write the software for it. So we need to talk to them about that. That would be awesome to implement in our business. Well, I, I think that they've they've talked about that automatic sixty second emailed version for a while, and I know that there there was another updated version of V Shortcut that they were planning on having done at PIA. But uh, the the issue with V Shortcut is they they do so much in the medical world with the stuff that actually pays their bills and funds them to make such awesome software. I didn't know that. That I think 
Yeah, so I thought that I told you the story before. So for, for anyone that doesn't know about the, the video editing software that we use for tandem skydives at Skydive Spaceland, it's called V Shortcut. It's a German-owned uh, company. This company started, I don't even know what the name of their medical imaging company is, but imagine that you are passing CAT scans and MRIs and really large image files back and forth inside of a hospital to different departments. They build software that does that. So that's what where they're... Uh, that's the platform for for their stuff. So they basically gutted all of that and replaced it. Uh, two two of the three owners of this company are skydivers. <laughs> so if you're just listening to this, DJ's eating a uh, beignet. Is that what it is? <coughs> a delicious tiny donut in front of the camera for everybody. Um, but they designed the program just to edit tandem skydiving videos. That's all that it does. So it's super efficient. And we went from trying to have, uh, we had three editors on three computers on a busy Saturday to keep up with like a 90 to 90 minute to two hour wait from the time people landed to the time they were getting their videos. So it was really long. It was the most common negative review that we had on uh, on any of the social media websites like uh, Yelp or Google reviews, any of that stuff. And so we went from that, the three editors and the struggle to keep up with the two hour wait to having one editor on one machine to easily maintain a 15-minute Who comes and set. goes wow. between loads. Yeah. I mean, literally, they come and go between loads. It's such a it's a great process. I so am su- super efficient. Went from being able to do one project at a time on one computer that, you know, when you're rendering a, an Im- a large image of any sort, that it kind of makes your computer useless otherwise. Yeah, sure. But the, the, this will do, th- uh, you know, <coughs> three three projects pretty pretty reliably without without slowing things down. So anything else you would deem your favorite or standout thing of the show? Gosh, I, I really liked, uh, <laughs> this is so stupid, uh, Skydive Chicago's booth. <laughs> they had a they had a pull-up bar just hanging in their booth, and there was a challenge of if you can last 100 seconds hanging on this pull-up bar, that they give you a, a Skydive Chicago jersey. <laughs> and it's like, that has nothing to do with skydiving, right? Just random. Yeah, it's, but they had a crowd the whole time, and people were just going up on this pull-up bar trying to. Trying How to long hang. did you hang? Uh, 101 seconds. Dude, so you got it. Do you know? Fuck do you yeah. know me? <laughs> I know you. I would've been shocked if you didn't. I just remember you doing it. I didn't know when you told me that it was a 100 second challenge. Yeah, they they. So this was the deal. So it's a minute and 40 seconds. 100 or yeah, that's right. So that mm-hmm. makes 100 seconds. And the Icarus booth was right across, and they said if anyone made it to three minutes, that they were going to give them a free canopy. <laughs> but, I, but I don't think anyone came close. Most most people, I think like 90, 90% of people didn't make it to the 100 seconds. I would be stoked if I made it to 40 seconds, let alone a minute 40. Hanging is not, and people think, oh, no, I've been doing, go try it, man, really. I, I watched probably 10 people go before I went and had conversations with a few of them of like, oh, what did you do? How did it feel? What's the bar like? The like I am pretty familiar with hanging on a pull-up bar, but the unique thing about this bar is it rotated. So it was set inside of bearings. So it will oh, wow. try and spin in, in your hands. And so if, if I'm hanging from a pull-up bar, I'm not going to wrap my thumb across my fingers like this. I'm going to hang kind of this monkey paw style like mm-hmm. this. But because of the bar, the rotation of the bar, that your grip, like you're going to recenter your gravity beneath the bar because it rotates. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Okay, so, uh, but uh, you know, uh, Jarrett, what's Jarrett's last name? Really kind guy in a wheelchair. They Martin. Developed the Jarrett Martin, yeah. is that him? The, yeah. They developed the, the mutant harness. He kind of around it, yeah. Him. yeah. He went to a couple people before me, and he killed it. It was awesome. He uh, He hung in there the whole time. And I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to do it. I watched a few of, uh, few people I know 
not make it. And I was like kind of second guessing myself of like, man, am I gonna go up there and fall down and feel like an asshole? <laughs> and I was like, man, I do I do a fair number of pull ups each week. I don't weigh all that much. I should have a pretty good like strength to body weight ratio. And I was I was really happy to make it through. I was real proud of myself. So that was fun and totally stupid and unrelated to skydiving. But it was fun to spend some time at their booth and watch people fall off the pull up bar. Uh, L&B's booth was, was fun. Besides, there was chocolate there. I ate a lot of that chocolate. A hundred kilos of chocolate. They, they're they Danish, so they speak kilos. So I never did the conversion. But as we're loading in, over a hundred kilos of chocolates. Holy fuck. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that I had a whole kilo by myself, but I tried. Dude, we man, we gave away so much chocolate. As a matter of fact, uh, there are chocolates in my living room right now from the event. Um, so my favorite things, really, uh, one of them I'm going to talk very, very briefly on because we're running low on time. And one of them is, is we get to see a lot of the new innovations and the new inventions. Is what's, what's coming out next in the world of skydiving? And something that we've really hit on, talked on, spoke on, and got to point and poke at a little bit that that I now know we have full reign to speak on is Infinity Velocity Sports Equipment didn't have a booth, but the owner was there. And he wanted to show two rigs at the symposium. And actually, Option Studios are good friends of all of ours. So Option Studios showed two rigs in the Infinity booth. And Kelly Farrington asked to show mine as one of them because uh, Infinity's colors and my colors are the same coincidentally. We like the same colors. And B, I'm driving there. I don't have to fly a rig out. So DJ, will you bring yours? It's cheaper for me to do that. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. You're my homie. I'll support you. And the other rig is the test rig. So uh, Nick and I have alluded to some of our projects lately. And Nick and I are working on the final certification jumps for Infinity or Velocity Sports Equipment's MARD. So Infinity has announced and did show the fact that they have a MARD coming out to the market. Um, now, guys and gals, be patient. Just because we're on the jump phase doesn't mean it's going to be done soon. Uh, when we're done with these jumps, we submit all the data to the FAA. In three and a half days, the, FA, the government's going to shut down again because none of our politicians can fucking agree with each other. <laughs> um, and when the government shuts down, the FAA is one of the places that we struggle very quickly. So uh, I can't promise with timing, but man, I was super stoked. I'm always super stoked to see new inventions and new innovations coming to the sport. Uh, Velocity Sports Equipment coming out with that MAR, but dude, did you see the G4? I, I tried on several of those G4s. Ooh, man, Cookie has come up with that, their newest helmet. It's dope. I really think that that was like the breaking point for me of, okay, I'm definitely going to PIA because I want to I want to try on these helmets. But yeah, was, uh, super I wasn't. comfortable. I mean, I was going anyway, but when <laughs> I started seeing those pictures pop up, I was like, yep. Yeah. I want to go feel one of those. The closing system. So it used to be it expanded a, a, a band, a silicone band, right? And now expanded silicone band would break it over time, and those bands would have to be replaced, and it was a pain in the butt. You're talking about the visor closing system. The visor sir. closing system, yes, sir. And those bands were just definitely a problem said and done. So they wanted to come out with a different closing system, and now it's the same mechanics to me, the operator, pull out and flip up. Excuse me. You said pull out. Pull out and flip up. <laughs> but the difference is, is when I'm pulling out, I'm not expanding a silicone band that might bust. That's a bad day. That's why we pulled out. It's uh, <laughs> 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 What you're doing is you're compressing a stainless steel spring instead. So that compression of a stainless steel spring, um, it, it's going to last much longer. It's going to wear much better. It doesn't need to be as tight. So the tension isn't as bad, but yet it stays shut better. The top of the visor seats into the helmet instead of overlapping on the helmet, so it's inset. So, again, that helps with flying on your head, angles, things like that, to keep airflow from opening the visor. 
the ventilation system inside the helmet to keep airflow going through and keeping uh, fogging even less of an issue, to keep the uh, floating visors even less of an issue. They did with the G3 two shell sizes and used sliners in size to make the size. So small, medium, large, extra large. Uh, man, they just used two sizes and changed liners. Now they have three shell sizes to get the right comfort and fit. And they all have the same visor size, I, I was told. Yeah. They come back lower on the neck, the ear. It's a quieter. I mean, it is the shit and the price. Oh, and it's impact rated uh, to Europe to, to Fran- French standards. Snag resistance to French standards, impact rated to French standards, um, which have some pretty good standards. So now we have a, a very durable, very thorough, very good helmet for 439 which, I mean, that, that's a lot of money. But you look at these other impact yeah, rated helmets. Yeah, you compare that to what, what else is already out there, though. Man, it's a huge the price difference. Sky helmets was one. Dope I, helmet. I think that they're... North of six hundred dollars, and Tonefly and Tonefly is about the same. Which looks like a sec. I love it. I love what I'm seeing there. But man, that price is, is just heartbreaker for me. It's hard. So guys, if you don't get to go to PIA, the 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 seminars alone are worth it. But the Expo Hall floor, man, the people you see, the people you meet, and that brings me back to my last favorite part before we wrap into the sponsorship conversation, is is my favorite part was the number of people who walked up to me. And expressed care and love and fandom for this show. And, and guys and gals, if you're listening to this, you might have been that person. And I can't thank you guys enough for you guys coming up and saying, man, where's Nick? Are you guys going to run a show here? Are you guys doing a re-? I mean, the things that people knew about us was so fucking awesome, guys. And it was great. And I had somebody come up to me and say, hey, man, you're the Gravity Lab radio guy. I wore my Gravity Lab hat the entire time at PIA, except for dinner I wore the LMB hat. I just was wearing LMB clothes the rest of the time, so I switched it up. Um, hey, you're Gravity Lab radio guy. You're DJ. Yeah, yeah, man. Nice to meet you. Super fun conversation. Well, how did you hear about the show? Well, Melissa Nelson just told me about the show. I haven't listened yet. Or Melissa Lowe, I'm sorry. Melissa Nelson Lowe. Uh, just told me about the show, and I should tune in. I should check it out. I'm like, well, fuck yeah, man. Here's how you check it out. Here's how you do it. And it happened to me three times before I walked up to Melissa Nelson and said, Melissa, don't know if you remember me. We've met. And she did, which I'm like, what the fuck? Because to me, she she's a hero. And she's listened to the show, and she asked to be on the show. She says, I want to come be on the show. I want to come to Houston and be part of the show. John LeBlanc and I sat down and just shot the shit. We're hanging out talking, the president of PD. And I brought up the show, and he's like, oh, yes, I want to do the show. And, and and the biggest reason he wanted to do the show was not me and Nick and Justin, not anything else. It was to connect to the skydivers. He, he You know, being where he's at, not everybody's connected to him. It allows him to reconnect to the jumpers. Uh, Tom Noonan pulled me aside, and we are actually setting up something for May for him to come do a tandem event here and then uh, also do the show here. So the number of, of people who have recognized what we've done, and when I say recognize what we've done, we sit here, we drink, we talk shit. What are we really doing? <laughs> and offend people. And offend yeah, people. Apparently. You're horrible. You're a lame, lame boy. <laughs> um, man, my favorite part was, was getting to hear back from all of you guys, whether it was the well-known folks who supported and praised us, whether it was the ever, average everyday jumper. To me, that's what the sport is about. It's not about John LeBlanc. It's not about Melissa uh, low. It's it's not about Jeffro Provenzano. It's not about these guys and gals being on the show. The show is about skydivers because the sport is about the average everyday fun jumper. So, for me, the best part were the people. Nick, next winter we are we we've talked about the Deland Road Show. 
uh, next winter, we are doing the Deland Roadshow. John LeBlanc is our first guest we've already got to agree with. You and I are going to go there, uh, drive a vehicle there. We'll find a place to stay. We, I've got tons of friends at Deland. We'll figure that out. And we will find a place to set up a little studio for a week and record daily episodes for four or five days straight. I'm going to ask Bill Booth. think he might say yes. I've already got John LeBlanc in. I've got a list of other names I want to talk to. I want to talk to Jills. Jills, uh, does, I can't ever say his last name. I'm stoked I can say his first name. He's the head of R&D for performance designs. Man, just, just some great people out there. So so thank you to everybody for, for enjoying the show. Um, Any other PIA things you want to bring up? Because PIA, I, we could talk for uh, two nights about this. I mean, it, it was just cool to uh, see everybody doing their thing, really. I mean, the, a lot of the companies, it seemed like there was a bit of uh rivalry with the booths of like everyone was kind of trying to one-up each other as far as who had the most beautiful aesthetically pleasing funnest booth whatever oh closing dinner there is a best booth award oh yeah so it's not almost there is a best booth award who won it oh i would bet that lmb won it fuck no oh maybe upt based on their their cowboyness and pd really performance design okay yeah i guess i mean there there are a few that really go all out of like man they really put time and money into making this booth Pete, you baller. LB, <laughs> they're baller. They're baller booths. LB won for a couple years, and then all these other manufacturers started up in the ante, and L&B went into that, that Norwegian, Scandinavian, super clean. So if you walk up to the LB booth, there's a big white table in the center of the floor. But a, a, it's a 40 by 20 booth, so it's the largest booth there. We have a big white table in the center with gray carpet underneath. We have all the devices in the middle underneath a piece of glass. There are corner wicker chairs in each corner, little lounge area. And, and there's chocolate. And there's chocolate. <laughs> it really, we joke around about the Apple store, but how many people and friends came up to me with an iPhone and go, hey, man, uh, I set an appointment really, for the dude, Genius man, Bar. I totally <laughs> just did not have that thought. I, must, I was just too concentrated on having fun with my buddies there. No, man, we get it all the time, dude. We, we, we heard it a lot. Dan but Croft did, did it to us. Did L&B not win that award for quite a few years in a row? We, they did, and when we went to that Scandinavian clean look, and, and at the same time, other companies started up in the ante, because uh, UPT two years ago had a steampunk booth that was off the hook. L, uh, I remember that rig. Dude, that rig is sick, cool right? Shit. Uh, did you notice the Florida sign in the PD booth uh, above the couch there was a poster that looked like that classic Florida destination oh if you're looking on the left side of the booth here yeah yeah yeah. okay did you look closely at that Florida sign no I didn't the word Florida each letter kind of had an image in it kind of that old school retro look they were all skydiving photos it was a custom made PD Florida sign that looked like an old school sign and PD for years dude they had a backdrop one year that had a sp- alien spaceship in it no joke um, they always have little Easter eggs thrown into their shit. So PD's kind of over the top. Uh, UPT had that Western wear, I think, was was a close second. Um, but yeah, they're, they're it's very competitive. Even the key card, the, our our hotel room key cards. They gave the hotel room key cards with with sponsors for the event there. So Butler Parachutes, the Skydiving Museum, et cetera. And when we checked in, you have your choice of key card design, sir. Great, I'll pick that one. And we found out later on that the manufacturers or the or the uh, sponsors for those cards had a side bet to who would have the most popular card. Um, LB, did you go to Cookie dinner? Was Cookie at dinner with us when you went? No, no. that was the night after. So Cookie and LB have a friendly banter and competition going on with some of what we're doing. And and man, at dinner, th- there's definitely some. Eating crow and throwing pies at each other, not just figuratively, not literally, but a, a lot of shit talking. So there, there is a lot of brotherly banter. You know, 
you can shit talk your homies and you can call them names and it's okay. Um, I want to move on because we're going to run out of time and this next topic I really think deserves its own show, but we'll, we'll at least dive into it tonight. Sponsorships. Like maybe I should go take the wheel. Sponsorships. You want to go switch around? Somebody's got to end it. Somebody's got to <laughs> end it. Yeah, at some point we're going to get there. I, I'm fine to go a little longer. Yeah, we'll go a little bit longer. You don't need to leave now if you, I mean, we got time, brother. I kind of like this all three of us on the couch together thing. Um, sponsorships. So I, I've been asked by maybe three or four people uh, about a sponsorship show and guys and gals request shows, request guests. Tell your friends to be on the show. Um, you know, the more these people hear about it, the more likely we are to get them to, to spend some time with us. But sponsorships, how do I get sponsors and, and what do I need to think about and how do I mean maintain sponsors? And Nick, to me, is the epitome of somebody who deserves to be a sponsored athlete. You know, it's so funny. I would totally argue with you on the on the surface level of like I, I just wouldn't ever. I would never. I don't feel comfortable pitching myself to a company of like, "Hey, look how great I am. What can you do for me?" I, I feel like my success with with uh, sponsorships has come largely through friends yeah. who who have existing relationships, who know me personally and know that I have a good work ethic and that I would keep up my side of a, of a bargain. And so. Uh, I guess for me, success has just been working hard, and I think uh, having a, a skill set like my, I think my video skill set is valuable, and so having a skill set that sits beside just being a super cool badass skydiver, whether that skill set is for you know it could be something that's still skydiving related, like organizing. Tex is a perfect example of that. Of he is just super skilled at being an, or an organizer. Yes. We uh, he he took me to uh, Spaceland Atlanta for the this was Halloween boogie. Not this last Halloween, but the year before, and it was kind of my introduction to organizing. Uh, it's more formal organizing a free flight group, and I was really impressed to see, like on on the airplane, he's going through his notebook, and he's kind of got all of these. <laughs> you taking up the? You're gonna double, <laughs> double down. DJ's bitches. on two microphones now. Double if you're wondering, down. <laughs> but uh, it probably won't surprise you to know that Tex is just very disciplined in the way that he structures his coaching. That he's got whole, you know, he's got bullet lists of, hey, this is what's important. This is what I need to pay attention to on every jump. This is what the the briefing is going to consist of. This is what the debrief is consists of. This, these are my responsibilities on every skydive. Just had all this stuff really, really broken down. And I think that even there are probably a lot of uh, really skilled organizers that just don't have that level of discipline or that level of of clarity in what it is they're they're trying to achieve in a, at an event. But so I think for me that. Um, my video skill set kind of kind of does that. It sets me apart a little bit of even, you know, I don't think I'm the best skydiver in the wide world by any measure. I do okay at it, and uh, but but the value that I have in my ability to to make videos that are watchable and 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 fun sometimes, uh, I think that that's helpful, and uh, I think that that couples well with just my work ethic of I'm going to whatever deal we work out. I'm going to do my very best to, to live up to that deal. So part of what you say really will back up and validate what, where my opinions will lie. Um, and part of what you say I don't think you understand the full truth of, and I'll explain uh, these things to you. Uh, number one, how many places do you go to a job and say to the boss, hey boss, give me a check and I will work for you. No, you go give me a job 
and then you'll give me a check. I go to work for two weeks, and then I get a paycheck. Not I get a paycheck and then work for two weeks. You know, there, there are places and times where that can happen, but as an entirety in a workforce, you get paid to work. You get paid for your work, not get paid to work. And in sponsorship, that's the first thing people need to understand is you get paid for the work you've done. You know, one of the first things I'll tell friends is you need to go ahead and start sharing. It's, man, social media is such a great platform right now, uh, understanding the use of hashtags. And, man, we joke around. Rick Nelson made a joke one day on social media. It was great because a buddy of ours made a post with a fuckload of hashtags in it. And if you've seen what we do, I, I the Gravity Labs hashtags are just stupid and, and fun. Right, it's just funny words to say without a space in them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Rating Center hashtags are, t- are t- generally a little bit more real. They're a little bit more catered to, to sponsors and to supporters and to business partners. And Rook saw one of my buddies, or I think probably even our buddies, do a, a big post like that with a bunch of hashtags. And Rook's comment on that post was, how do you know somebody sponsored? Hashtag. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was it. And, and it, it is funny. But, man, you know what? They need to see you. They need to be aware of you. Man, I, I know for sure a company like Performance Designs, if they don't see you already hustling for that dime, they're not going to pick you up. They want to be able to say, I've seen Nick put videos together with our logo. I've seen Nick tag performance designs. I've seen Nick actually brag about his wing on social media. So, A, working ahead of time. But, Nick, one thing you said is is you've got a lot of your sponsorships through relationships, and I think uh, it would be easy enough for me to say that the majority of your sponsorships are with me or are, are through me, majority. Yeah. yeah, I would say that. Basically all but one, and even that one, I had a pretty heavy relationship already with that sponsor. And uh, I'll tell you right now, almost all of them, I said your name, and that's all I had to say. Nick Lott. Yep, we know Nick. We want him. I introduced you to somebody this week, right? Surely did. And, and uh, this guy was approaching me, talking to me about business, talking to me about sponsorship, talking to me about what, what that company can do for my company. You know, these guys have sponsored me. These companies have been very good to me. And, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, I'm, I'm going to take a little nerd second for one moment and, and thank some people. Performance Designs has reached out and, and been very gracious to me and has supported me for quite a long time. Kelly Farrington and Infinity Rigs doesn't just sponsor the show. They've sponsored me since 1999 when I was nobody. Firefly no longer exists. Sherry and Shelly uh, Jones, man. They believed in me when I was a brand new jumper with 200 jumps and, and didn't know I existed yet. They supported me through their company's life. Uh, Cookie Composites and Jason Cook, dude. The first time I met Jason Cook, DJ Marvin, nice to meet you. I didn't even have to introduce myself. These folks really go out of their way to believe in us, and thank you. And LMB, man, Mads Larson, Niels Bruce Gard at the time, and now Jacob and Stefan, thank you for believing us. Adam Buckner and Options Studios, thank you so, so much, guys. SSK and Adam Schmucker. Um, it, these people have done so much to support me. And the thing that I could do with all of them, and the guy I brought you up the other day, he said, DJ, we believe in you. We've supported you for years. Whoever this guy was said, we no longer want to support GSG. We want to support the rating center. And we talked about what he could do for my examiners and my staff. And a lot of my team is now sponsored by a lot of my same sponsors. They're starting to finally bleed over for these guys. And then that guy said, hey, man, I appreciate it. I accept it. We're good. I want to move forward with this. Here are some immediate names I need to work with. But I have one more request and one more addition that's not on the TRC team. He's like, who is it? I said, Nick Lott. Done. Send me an email. Let's connect them. I said, better yet, Nick Lott's here. Let's go. He stood up immediately. Let's go find him. 
immediately, and, and we plugged you face to face. So, fuck you and your modesty. These guys, we're not getting you anything. We're telling them your name and letting them know that you're available and interested. Well, I'm super, super thankful for for that. Like, I, I, it's hard for me to tell you how, but how much it means to me and how much I appreciate you bringing me up in the conversation. And I, I really would love to believe the, uh, I don't know, I don't impact isn't the right word, but the. I would love to believe that these companies know me in the way that you're trying to make me think that they do. But I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would never, I just would never, I don't believe the hype, if that, if that makes any sense. It um, does. Don't believe the hype. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but man, the... But no, and I, I, I hope, I hope that if, if any of that's true, I, I'll just never, I hope I never live like any of that's true. Because... You, yeah, you, you'll be fine. <laughs> I believe that. I believe you'll do the right thing there. Well, I mean, I think that if, if any of this is working out for me, I think self-doubt is one of my biggest tools you know that i think that that's something that just makes me want to do better is that i never you know i just don't really have that feeling of like yeah this is awesome man you did good it's like hey this is okay you should do better so i'm gonna i want to address that here in a second i want to go back a little bit more and i'll cross it over and what it is is you said you have a hard time telling a manufacturer hey this is why i'm so awesome and self-promoting and this is why i deserve what you give me and I kind of paraphrase, but I think that's a fair statement to okay. what you said. Um, what I learned to do very, because man, I, I was very awkward at this. I was not very good at yeah, this early on. Tell me, tell me about your first relationship with Infinity. How did that start? Uh, my teammate was the spokesman of the group and and knew how to speak to people and got got that for me. He did the same thing with Firefly. Um, eventually, PD. I was sitting with the then director. So, 2012, I was in a meeting for Tandem stuff with the then director of tandem or the then director of or co sponsorship coordinator for performance designs. His name was Tom Noonan. And I said, Tom, I'd like to sit down with you have a little business meeting. He's like, yeah, what's up? When we sit down and I was like, man, I want to start a sponsorship, a sponsor relationship with performance designs. And before I could say another word, he's like, we've been waiting. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, we've been waiting for you to ask. We knew it would come over time. We knew you were a fan and we knew you liked our products. And I've really, you should have done this years ago and you, sh you should have as well. Uh, I, I appreciate that, but again, I don't believe that. But I, I honestly did. I followed the advice of a few friends who already are, are sponsored by these companies. Tax. Tax guru, yourself. People who have said, hey, if you want attention from these companies, when you come to ask for it, they're going to look really highly upon these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, really good advice. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly what you're telling people to do right now. Do, do the work first. Before you go and ask for anything, just like if you went and, and asked your your boss for a raise, of like, hey boss, if you start paying me more money, I'll do all this extra shit. And it's like if you were already yeah. doing that extra <laughs> shit, if you were already going the extra mile, th you're gonna that conversation's probably gonna be a little more successful, right? I've actually had people uh, somewhat say that, like, oh, I'm only course. really working ninety percent of my utilization. Well, it's like. Well, now I'm thinking about firing you because you were working. Yeah, you're holding out on me this whole time. Capacity. I'm cutting your pay by ten percent now because that's what me I need. For a raise <laughs> so you can work harder. Like what? That's not how this works. So one of the things you said is sell yourself and talk yourself up. And what you really should be doing is approaching sponsors. And I actually have a sponsorship package that I submit to to my sponsors. Um, 
oddly enough, I, I waited way too late in the game to pick up sponsors. So uh, several of them admitted, yeah, we got the package and threw it out on the side of the desk and said, sure, DJ, because we knew who you were. Um, I, I, I entered the game way, way later than I should have. Um, uh, but in that package, and some of them it did matter, it's, it says, who am I? And who am I simply gives statistics. My name is DJ Marvin. I own and operate the Rating Center. I started skydiving in 1997. I have 8,400 skydives. Um, the Rating Center started in, two, in 2008. Uh, we have this much going on for us. This is the number of courses we run. I give them statistics. I don't give them opinions. I, don't, I, I give them fact, statistic, provable metrics man now at what point am i bragging at what point am i selling myself just giving them the facts you're good at presenting the facts so if you're going to sell yourself to a manufacturer don't hype yourself up just tell them what you do you know a, a, a man who does well doesn't have to brag on himself he just has to present himself right um at the same time in that package what can i do for you why am i an asset I have a large exposure to new jumpers. I work as an instructor to students. And this is one thing that y'all don't understand. And I'm talking to y'all listening to this show. Manufacturers are more interested in sponsoring instructors than they are interested in supporting and sponsoring the big name teams. Who does Arizona Airspeed influence to buy gear? Justin, Arizona Airspeed influences you with the way you skydive. Could you say yes to that? Yes. But by the time you knew who Arizona Airspeed was, you already had a decision on what gear you liked. True or yes. false. Yeah. So Arizona Airspeed, as awesome as they are, man, I love them. I got some friends who have been and are on that team. They don't have a large amount of influence to the new jumpers. Who do we need to change their mind of? The new jumper. Because, man, at my first new rig was an Infinity. I'm still jumping one to this day. It's a new jumper who where we get influence. I walked up to my first instructor and said, man, I'm going to buy a reflex. Why, DJ? Because you all jump reflexes. The guy immediately said, no, don't do it. We all got free reflexes because they were tested here. My serial number is 003. Go buy an Infinity. It's a better rig. And it's exactly what I ended up following. They like instructors better than anybody else because you are the most influential person. The problem is instructors have the least amount of follow-through with commitment to sponsorship. Oh, I, I thought you were just going to say follow-through, period. I thought that was going to be a good enough statement. All yeah, time. that's actually a better statement. So tell them what your influence is to new jumpers. Tell them what your influence is to the world. Tell them what your influence is to like, hey, man, I do a lot of social media videos, and I can put your logo in places. For Gravity Lab Radio, we, we, we put out video and promo trailers, and and uh, I do business reports with some of these sponsors. I actually am required or asked by some of them to do business reports, and I send some voluntarily because well, I might as well duplicate some of them. And one of the things that they see is like, hey, look, here's a video that Nick Lott produced for our podcast, for our show. So I don't tell them what my show does. I don't tell them what my company, the Rating Center, does. I tell them what the people in the rating center does. I, Chris Vidala did this. DQ's teaching this. Nick Lodd and Justin Grubbs are doing it. I, I, I report on what people are doing. So that's how your name precedes you is because we are talking about you. We, we, we do know what's going on. So don't sell yourself. Sell your service. Would that make a little more sense? Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I really feel like I'm just super fortunate that I've... That I have good friends who have dropped my name in those in those conversations. We've made it easy for you, no doubt. Yeah, then that's man, that's uh, it's a hard thing to know how to really give you a genuine thank you for and, and how to repay. But uh, mouth hugs, mouth hugs will do it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sign me up. Can repay with your services. Man, uh, man. Uh, but if you, I'm, I'm just, uh, if you're just a regular skydiver, and you, if you're having a hard time thinking about uh, what it is you bring to the world of skydiving or to new skydivers or what your value is other than you're just a cool skydiver, maybe uh, work on some skills before you start reaching out and trying to start those conversations with with a with a sponsor and you don't have to necessarily be i'll, I'll use some examples guru guru stunts guru has a huge social media so huge. that's why he gets guru now guru's a good skydiver i'm not going to take away yep, from him, but i'm going to say talented. guru could be a shitty 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 fucking ass skydiver but because of his social media presence that celebrity status he has with that social media presence and guru stunts he gets those sponsorships it is very it makes it 10 times easier he's talented uh, Jeffro Provenzano, um, and dude, I'll tell you name after name of people that we mention your name and they say you deserve sponsorship more than anybody we know. And Jeffro actually said that of you as well. Jeffro is one of the best brand Making ambassadors. Jeffro is one of the best brand ambassadors. And I'll tell you, I know a lot of his sponsors because we actually have a lot of the same sponsors as well. And how often do you see Jeffro without some sponsors? Now, Red Bull hat. Yeah, I, I don't think he's allowed to sleep without a Red Bull hat on. <laughs> uh, dude, have you ever if, have you ever seen the inside of a Red Bull hat or a Red Bull jacket those boys wear? The inside? I don't think so. It says, for sponsored athletes only. And they are not allowed to give that shit. Like, you know, I'll give you my hat when I'm like, oh, dude, I'm done with it. I, I gave somebody a hat at PIA because uh-huh. they did something super cool. I high-fived them, took the hat off my head and yeah, said, does that, it fit? That was, that was the first uh, piece of velocity anything that I had. Was, was that it, was red hat? Was your hat? red velocity yes. hat? Um, man, they, they, no, they can't give that shit away, but Jeffro is a phenomenal Josh brand. Josh Cook, he said thanks for the hat. Josh Cook, what's yeah. up, Cookie? How you doing, my boy? Cookie did some really cool shit on a video that the bosses love. So, I mean, he made me look good, so I had to make his head look good. Um, by the way, guys, I'll be clear to what it was. I ran the, the camera for the live feed for LMB, and when we were doing the giveaways, I panned through the audience and Josh Cook saw the camera at him, and he geeked it and let me get up close in his face and really like, yeah, made it look like an exciting video. Yeah, man, I cannot express it. For anyone who's held a camera, the the appreciation that you have for anyone who interacts with your camera, especially someone who can do it in a genuine way where they're really just having fun with your camera instead of being another awkward face in the crowd <laughs> that's like, oh, my God, there's a camera pointed at my face. Man, it is super helpful. If you have anyone working on a camera with anything, I mean, I'm not saying totally lose it and you know do anything inappropriate in front of the camera but if you can be engaging any of us who have shot tandem video and know what it's like to have someone who's engaging with that camera who can who can add to the entertainment of what you're doing oh man huge thank you to any of those people a fist pump and a yell is all it takes and josh basically is what it was fist pump and yell dude and cookie you are the man thank you brother mads larson saw that part of the video and loved it and that's when i walked up to josh cook and said Here's a hat. I hope it fits you. Uh, we, we were out to dinner uh, and talked about it. And then when we came back from dinner, I saw Josh Cook and put my hat on his head and went back up to the room and went to sleep. Um, so uh, back to the sponsors, you've got to be that good brand ambassador. Now, Jeff Roy's got other things going for him, but the relationship he keeps up is more important than anything else. Uh, there's a handful of us with LMB who've gone from supported athlete to business partners, and Jeff Roy does a different business relationship with him. And those were were cultured and grown through, hey, LB, this is what I'm doing right now. Hey, PD, this is my upcoming project. Hey, Velocity Sports Equipment, can you help me with this project? 
And at the same time, when they ask for something, and, and you're, a, you're a sponsored Infinity athlete yourself, they asked for, we want pictures of something. And they wanted a picture of a tall dude and a short dude and something really cool. You immediately provided it, and I don't think anybody else did. Um, so you've got to have these unique avenues. And, and a great example, you've seen some contracts now. They're very big on social media content. And if you're not out there having a presence on social media, they're probably going to say something. Do I really have a social media presence? Uh, are, Fuck I, no, no. You don't have a personal Instagram, do you? No, I don't. Uh, so you, there's the Gravity Lab Instagram that's yeah. basically the same picture that we throw up to announce that we have guests, right? There's just a bunch of those. And that's about to change. We're going to work on that. I'm going to ask you for help. <laughs> TRC has an Instagram. The, again, dude, it's been around for years and probably has like eight pictures on it and half of them are shares from somebody else. If I share, I give that person credit. And motherfucker, if you're on Instagram and you're sharing a picture from Jeffro Provenzano doing a badass swoop, if you're sharing a video that Scott Ice Baseland posted, if you're sharing this really cool shot of Justin doing the splits from his Instagram, give credit to the original poster. You can get all the love you want on your fucking Instagram, but recognize the guy who created the content, man. It is such a big deal right now. I'm doing a lot of reading, listening, you paying know, attention to this shit. Herigear is actually really good at that. Yes. They, they've shared a few of my posts, and I, I don't remember exactly how they word it, but I think that says something like follow and... Uh, it, it, they're giving credit and telling you to follow this person. Yes. Like credit to and follow this person. And I think that that's a super great way to... like I. I don't mind seeing my pictures or videos popped up somewhere else. Yeah. Like a lot of the little excerpts that I take from the like the looking to build event videos, those end up in all sorts of places. All sorts of like what I would call fake Instagram accounts that don't seem to be run by, by people. Skydivers love skydiving. Yeah, all of that yeah. all of that shit. And I, I it must all be robots because like sometimes you know, I don't share many pictures of my personal life, but they still share those pictures. Like the other day I saw one of Sam and I pop up and it's like blah 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 skydiving and we're just like we might have been doing acro yoga or maybe at a cooking class or something something was totally not skydiving and this skydivers world dot love slash heart whatever (laughs) (laughs) still is sharing it and it's like man there's no way there's a person behind this like there just must be an algorithm do they have bots that follow and unfollow what what they're doing with ig and and social media it's just ridiculous it's a little a little monstrous it is man but share the love and recognize these companies, but you don't have to necessarily have the biggest. Now I'll tell you right now, do social media. Well, if you're new to the sponsorship world is going to be a quick way to help doing social media. Well, not doing it a lot, doing it. Well, those are two very different words. Doing social media. Well, will be one of the best kickstarters to help you get to a sponsorship career. But I apologize every single time. I, I, Adam Schmucker and I, I apologize to him. PD, I apologize to him. Kelly Farrington, I, I tell them all, like, I am so sorry I don't do better with social media. They're like, bro, you don't even think about social media. You don't, don't worry about it. Just walk away from that conversation. Right, but you, you have an influence in totally different areas, right? Because I teach canopy courses. I teach coach courses. I teach people, and that's what they see. Yeah, how many how many coaches and instructors have you made in your career? I've never logged that It's number. a lot. Let's just it's, say it's a lot, but that's a lot of influence on a lot of levels. It's a fair number. We were in the examiner meeting for standardization, and it was interesting because, you know, there's a shitload of 70 people in the room, and it's funny because at some point Hank goes, I'm from the rating center table because there were six of us in a row, and we were by far the largest contingency. Scott, I've ratings on Brom Clement, man. He is one of our godfathers of what we do. Hats off to him. Respect. He had the other contingency, and then Michael Watkins' Excel skydiving. 
Dude, when these mics turn off, I am going to tell you who might be joining the rating center. I can't say it out loud. I can't say who he is right now. Um, dude, I might have one of the most influential, influential examiners joining the rating center in the near future. He publicly spoke of it three times in front of other people this past week. I just am not ready to publicly speak of it yet. So we're growing. We're we're moving on. Sorry, I got a little. Sorry. I got. Man, no, that's awesome, man. I, I love seeing that excitement in your eyes, man. So much is going on for the rating center Grab Lab right now. Um, so the the next thing for me for sponsorship is really earning an initial sponsorship isn't that hard. It really isn't. You you you've got to. Be diligent, work hard. You talked about work ethic a lot through your process, and that's important. But really, that's not the hard part. It's maintaining sponsorships. Um, first of all, find sponsors to start with. Hey, man, I don't have any sponsors. So the first sponsor I'm going to go to, Justin, is PD, right? Uh, no. no. Why would you go to a flagship <laughs> sponsor for your first sponsor? Who do you think, Justin, who do you think of all the sponsors you would approach first? Well, what kind of sponsor would do you think you would approach first? Um, maybe like Cookie or um, uh, maybe a suit manufacturer. Maybe a L&B, maybe an alternator manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. A, a low-budget device because, let's see, let's say L&B gives me a free... Uh, um, protract to it's four hundred dollars. Let's say Cookie gives me a free G three. That's four hundred and no three four hundred and thirty dollars forty dollars something. Yeah, like that. the G four was four thirty nine. Yeah. I thought I saw. Now, by the way, as a early sponsored athlete, don't expect to get full free. Expect to get discounts. But man, you're going to start there instead of getting a discount on a two thousand three thousand dollar container or parachute. So start with those earlier manufacturers. Go to those lower level. The, the cheaper the product, the cheaper the device, the more readily available the device then chances are the easier it is to get on it. And, and I'll tell you right now, altimeter manufacturer, helmet manufacturer, jumpsuit manufacturers, jumpsuits are starting to wane to be harder because jumpsuits are now costing $1,000 each sometimes. So they're not as easy to find. But start there. And then once you start retaining, um, I deal with some sponsorship stuff for LB, and it's so interesting to see, hey, LB, you sponsored me before, blah, 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 blah. We need new stuff. The words aren't, but they are. What have you done for me lately? What have you done for me? Remember that song? Was it Janet Jackson or something like that? Is it? Gosh, I yeah. didn't think it was Janet Jackson. I know the song. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? I don't think so. Yeah, if I <laughs> sang it, it, you wouldn't recognize it either. Um, and what have you done for me lately? So I, I've described it as sponsored athletes are the first line of defense and the first line of offense. And what it means is the first line of offense I hear Nick Lott standing over there going like, man, I'm really thinking about a new container. I'm going to go up to Nick, and I'm not going to shove an infinity down his throat. What I am going to say is, what are you looking for? What do you want? And when I see... You were right, it's Janet Jackson. Boom. Fucking nailed it. I thought you were wrong for sure. Um, Yeah, I'm thinking about a new rig. um, Hey, Nick, what are you looking for? Oh, you're looking for this, that, and the other thing? And, And all my alignments for manufacturers are blessed. I love performance designs because they tell me... If somebody describes a crossfire to you, tell them, bro, you want to be on the crossfire three. That is the wing for you. That's what you're describing. They don't tell me to push PD products. They tell me to push the product the customer describes. Infinity is the same way. Hey, Nick, you describe this, man. You you want a vector. This is the rig for you. But at the same time, if you describe what fits an infinity, I can now say, hey, bro, an infinity, and this is why. If you're not sure, then I'm going to sell an infinity. I'm the first line of offense. When I hear jumpers on the drop zone, I'm quick to educate. And you, I think you've both seen me do it. I don't push infinity down people's throats, but how much do I educate people on gear? 
You're the first line of offense. You should be out there being the number one salesman. Number one, but number two, you're the first line of defense. Nick now complains about a rig. Hey, man, I got a new infinity. doesn't fit me right. Well, bro, let's look at why it doesn't fit you right. Let's talk about what we can do. Let's talk about how we can change that. Hey, man, I got this brand new altimeter, and it's broken. Well, hold on a second. Let me... And there's times that I can't do shit to help somebody, but right then and there, hey, Justin, hold on one second. Let me get an email out. I'll type my email to who, whoever it is, at, at, you know, at, at, uh, customer service at dropzone.whatever, and then I'll copy you on it. And then I'm going to type an email saying, hey, this is Justin. Justin is a, is, a, uh, is a customer. This is the product he has, and this is the problem he has. Hey, Justin, will you read that? Does that, does that describe what you're having a problem with? Yeah, it is, DJ. Awesome. Send. I write then and there in their face will make that email. Why do I make the email right in front of their face, by the way? Well, I, I would say so I wouldn't say, hey, I'm going to do that later and forget. So I don't fucking mm -hmm. forget. It really is the main reason. What's the secondary reason? Second reason is so they know and they can see that you're actually doing something about it. And now they go, holy shit, man, this this Infinity guy, this performance design guy, this Javelin guy, this Sunpath guy, whatever company you represent, all of a sudden you make that brand look good, man. You make them look like they care, and they do. They do care. They just don't know what's going out on the field. We're the eyes, we're the ears in the field. Um, I'll give away a secret, but Performance Designs knows every single size canopy I coach and put through canopy courses in every single wing loading I do, and they know the history to why people choose wings. If you ever coach with me, if you ever do canopy courses with me, you'll notice I ask questions about why you fly what you fly and why you choose what you choose. I am truly interested, and I truly can educate you better through it. But at the same time, I can tell my, 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 my supporters, my sponsors, like, hey, man, people are bitching about your product, bro. And they want to know that. I mean, I, I've actually told some of the manufacturers I've worked with about some legitimate complaints that they didn't love hearing, but they appreciated hearing. So you've really got to be that voice. Man, Kelly Farrington, when's the last time he spent a weekend on the drop zone? Gosh, I bet it's been quite a while. I, I bet it has too. I'm going to bet over six years because it's been over six years. I know that for sure. When's the last time John LeBlanc partied on the drop zone for a weekend? It's been a long time. Him and I were talking this week, and he's like, man, I'm five days a week about skydiving. When I when I get off the skydiving at Performance Designs, I want to go out on the weekend and do something not skydiving related. You know, So his life is skydiving, so these guys aren't amongst the people. They try to be, but they're not. So you as a sponsored athlete, you're the eyes, you're the ears, you're the voice. You're the first line of offense, you're the first line of defense, and you are a brand ambassador. A buddy of mine this week, this past week at PI, two, two different friends of mine, both got drunk at PIA. Both are trying to build relationships with sponsors and manufacturers. And both have got some, but not where they want to yet. Both of them, by different sponsors, made an ass of themselves drunk in front of them. Both sponsors told me, hey, it's not you guys. Hey, man, <laughs> I saw Nick. This is what I saw. Or I saw Justin Grubbs, and this is what I saw. And both of them said the same thing. Please make sure they know we saw it. Please make sure they understand how it can affect their relationship and also let them know we understand it's their first time at PIA. They got carried away, so we'll forgive it one time, but we'll never forgive it again. Man, my friends who went to PIA, fun jumpers were partying. They were drinking. They are having a good time. But, I mean, Nick, technically did we party? Yeah. And I would say in a pretty responsible way. 
But I mean, we were having fun. We were having a good time. We were sharing drinks with friends, but nothing got out of hand. Responsible. And, and the thing I want you to do next time you're at PIA, the thing I want you to do next time you're at a boogie is look at the, the, the guys and gals who are the experts who have the level of support you want and see how many of them, what percentage of them are making a fool of themselves. There is a number of them. And you and I could, and, and, and I want to, with all respect and love to this friend, we've talked about this man recently a few times. We've had, had some problems with his life. He did a great job picking up sponsors early on, but his, his relationship with the sponsors might be tainted right now because of his, his after-jump activity and his lifestyle. They are watching. They know. They hear. So behave in a way that represents a brand. I actually recently talked to a guy who works for the rating center and said, bro, Imagine the actions you just took. Now people are going to say, a rating center guy did that. How does that affect the rest of our team? Does it make us look bad? Does it make us look bad to customers? Does it make us look bad to our business relationships? How does that affect us? And that's all a sponsorship is. It's a business relationship. They are paying me. I wish they were paying me with a paycheck. I wish they were giving me money. But how much does that wing cost? How much does that altimeter cost? How much does that jumpsuit cost? You're getting a large discount or even free in some cases. So you're not getting as big of a paycheck as you want. You've been buying that shit anyways. You're saving some chunks out of some future paychecks, right? For sure, man. So realize this is a paycheck. You are an employee. You work for this brand and you represent this brand. If you feel that way about it, you'll be good. And the other thing that you've said, Nick, time and time again right now is when you get what you get, you feel like you don't deserve it. You didn't say this part, though. So you work harder to ensure you deserve it. I would like to think so, yeah. And that, I watch that, it and that, you that do. I, I think you should earn anything that feels I mean, too good to be true, especially. Yeah, you should, you should probably acknowledge that and, uh, and work harder. I have one manufacturer who supports me that uh, in the beginning, I mean, God bless and brought me on at a wonderful level because sponsorships have levels. And in the end of that first uh, contract, they said, what do you think? How do you feel? I'm like, I'll tell you right now. I, I want to move forward. I haven't told them mid-contract. I am not happy with the deal I, I have. I think you're doing the right thing by me, but I'm not happy with it. I want a better deal, so I'm going to work harder. And after that first contract was done, they're like, you worked harder, bro. We believe you. We pay up the deal. How does this hit with you? I'm like, dude, I love it. It's not good enough yet. I'll work harder. And straight up, those are my words. And And... Um, you can talk to those coordinators and they'll tell you, man, every time we renewed his deal, he said, I'm not happy. I'll work harder. And my God, that company is treated me like a king now because I earnestly believe I worked hard. I'm not talented. I'm not smart. I'm not skilled. I'm a hard worker. You say the same thing. Anybody who worked as fucking hard as I have to be where I'm at right now could do what I'm doing. You might have a different personality doing it. But you can. And you, you're around me. I work hard. Not as hard as you, motherfucker. I don't know, man. You put in a lot of work in a lot of places. Man, uh, but it, it is really about hard work and recognizing this is a job and this is a paycheck. So um, if you are interested in getting sponsorships, understand those processes. God, we could do, and I know we're going to have more talks about sponsorship in the future. We have more guys and gals coming in to talk about it. But I, I kind of hope that brought us to a place. I think it's a conversation that a lot of people can, can grasp onto. Of uh, to me, I mean, I, I've always you know thought about man, how great would it be to have a, to have the sponsor, you know, until the last couple of years when it's actually started to happen. That uh, I, I couldn't imagine my own again, just because I, like I hate 
job interviews <laughs> because I just don't like I don't like talking about myself. For me, I think it it speaks a lot more highly of someone when th- there's a quote that I've probably shared before because I like it so much. It's uh, what you did, what you uh, do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. That it's like be an example, and then you're never going to have to talk about yourself. But if I'm at a job interview with a bunch of people who have no idea who I am and don't know anybody who knows me, it's like God, that's such an uncomfortable situation of like, hey guys, I'm cool, I promise. Like I just, I just don't like that. And so for me, pursuing sponsorship has always been a weird thing of like, hey, how 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 would what would the first step even be? And I think that you've given a lot of insight into how how people who like me couldn't couldn't figure out the first step in pursuing a sponsorship of some things you can at least be doing. So when you make that bold first step, you'll be in a lot better spot. I want that f- that quote again for a second. Your what, actions. What what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. That right there is how the fuck you get a sponsorship. Back to it, Nick Lot. When I brought your name to these different manufacturers, and then when our other friends brought your name to another manufacturer. All of them had heard your actions so loud that they didn't need to hear your voice. Well, that's, I, man, I really hope that's true. I really do. I guarantee it's true because I sp- I've spoken on your behalf for a few different people now. Um, and, dude, if I, I'm telling you, that, that conversation Wednesday night when that gentleman walked up to you, I said your name. He said, put us in an email right now. Let's get him on. We're good to go. All I did was say your name. I said, he's here. He stood up and said, let's go find him. So I didn't push or promote you. I just brought you up in the conversation that was about TRC, not Gravity Lab. Sorry, Justin. We love you too, man. <laughs> um, but you definitely, y- your actions spoke out for yourself. So guys and gals, if you really truly want to earn that sponsorship, promote the name, promote the product, promote the brand. And by the way, they're watching. Have you ever seen a friend go out there and go, hashtag Icarus, hashtag uh, on the next jump uh, uh, Aerodyne, hashtag on the next jump Fluid Wings, hashtag on the next jump PD. All great manufacturers, by the way. Mm -hmm. But, dude, they do notice that you're flying different flags. If you're fishing for sponsors by going name to name to name, no. They want to know that you're a customer and a fan and a believer. I, I sold Ford cars at some point in my life. And I just needed a job desperately. Just move. Like, give me a job. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but at least help me plant my roots where I'm at. And I picked Ford because I've been driving Fords for years. I don't really care Ford, Chevy. Tell you, I'm not, I'm not a Ford fan. All that's all we own. Um, but man, I'm a Ford customer, so I can sell Fords. I'm an LMB customer. I can sell LMB. I'm an Infinity customer. I can sell Infinity. I'm a PD. Every single one of my sponsors, except for one, I was a customer before I was sponsored. That one is a Tandy Wee. Is, is the only one I was not a customer first. And that's because she's still in the the, the, the uh, uh, setting up process. Itande Wee is a jumpsuit manufacturer. Skyflower USA or something like that. We're, we're going to see what she does with a name change for the American market. But uh, Aaron Dera Sanchez uh, owns that company. So the only sponsor I have who actually was a sponsor before, before I was a customer. So know that you believe in the product. Know that they're watching and, and support and be loyal to them. Anything else? I know, Justin, this is not really your forte that you want to ask or throw into this. No, I just, um, I guess a lot of a lot of what you're saying about <clears throat> talking to people um, as as a mentor and instructor uh, makes a lot of sense. I, a lot of the things I got from you are, you know, the questions I get asked almost every time uh, is, you know, what canopy do you fly or uh, what canopy should I buy, or what are the differences between the canopies? 
And uh, something I picked up from you was ask those leading questions so that they describe what they want and you're not pushing something on them. Um, or pushing what they don't want. I could sell right. you an infinity for the wrong reasons. I need to know what you want so I can tell you why you like an infinity. Yeah, and don't listen to the people that say, oh, this canopy is a piece of shit. I hate it. It's just because they don't like the way it flies or they're looking for something different in the canopy or they're going for swooping instead of accuracy or whatever. It's a totally different progression. Each each individual person has a different thing. And then the other side of it's the what I've seen from the the four way crowd, like uh, uh, boobs, for example, uh, when they started out, you know, their their social media presence was off the charts, and they were able to get you know those those sponsorships rolling through that all that social media, and it was pretty cool to see uh, those ladies get the sponsorships being you know that that young of a of a, a four way group. You've really got to do a good job of promoting other companies, mentioning their names, thanking them for what's out there, showing your wings, hashtagging companies. It is really simple. Here's something that a lot of people, man, Facebook is really a dying social media platform outside of skydiving. It's amazing. And we actually talk in these marketing things and seminars at, uh, at PIA about how marketing works. And I've been listening a lot to, uh, different social media things, including uh, the founder of Twitter was just on Rogan. Did you listen to that? Yeah, I did. And I actually want to start using that more for the knowledge-based conversations the Rating Center can have with people because how that conversation evolves is great. And Twitter would be better. Like both Gravity Lab and, and, and Rating Center can be on both, but Rating Center would benefit more from the Twitter presence where Gravity Lab Radio will benefit more from the, the, the Instagram presence. But but Facebook is really a dying social media platform. It's turned into MySpace. But in skydiving, it is still huge, and in skydiving, it's still big. And something that people don't know, type at the at sign and the name of a company, and that's how you tag, at performance design. You have to type the whole damn word. Who doesn't know this? Dude, you'd be blown away. Justin learned it by doing the yeah. show. <laughs> oh, Justin, really? Yeah. Dude, you know what the really annoying part is you can't copy-paste that? No, you oh can't. Oh, my God. Such a pain in the ass. And if you don't find <laughs> it, you need to go to their page. And if, So if you go to Performance Designs or the Rating Center or anybody's page on Facebook, it'll say Facebook.com slash the Rating Center. Facebook.com Spaceland 2, I believe, is what Houston's is. Is that right, Nick? Spaceland 2 is yep. Houston's, yeah. So um, if I can't do at Skydive Spaceland Houston, sometimes it doesn't pull up right. I can do at Spaceland 2. So if you know their slash name, that's their at name. And that's how you tag these manufacturers. That's how you tag these companies. And, yeah, know a lot. Of, I regularly get friends asking me, how do you do this? How do you? They're almost always newly sponsored athletes. You're like, hey, bro, help me, help me set this up. Help me do this. So that's how you do it. Yeah, there is a YouTube tutorial for every question you've ever even thought of. <laughs> a million percent so, man. It's unbelievable. By the way, I want to mention something on YouTube right now, and I'm very curious about the fan base. It's super late in the show, so you might not hear this or see this. But look on YouTube for Skydive Vibe. Skydive Vibe is a company, a gal named Catherine. She is reviewing skydiving products, uh, all sorts of products, all sorts of things out there. And I think our sport really needs it. And uh, I've been checking it out. I've been watching it, man. And 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 uh, she's got a French Canadian accent, so that kind of grades on me. Sorry, Catherine, French Canadian joke. Um, but but that that is out there. So if you're a new jumper, check it out. I really want to know what you guys think about that that page and what she's doing. 
I, I really want to promote and push it because I think it's such a needed thing out there for you guys to have that if we can sit there and look at what she's doing and even give that constructive criticism you guys have given us, maybe, just maybe, she will continue. I mean, she's got 3,500 subscribers in her first year and videos with over 10, 12,000 views in her first year. Only a couple with that many. But she's doing okay. So, guys, check it out. I'm super curious to what you think of it. Um, I, I'm positive she takes super good uh, constructive criticism. She talked to me this week at PIA, and we got to speak a little bit. She also presented a PIA about how to make effective uh, content. So pretty heads up late, lady. Just curious to how, how that's going. Um, we are just back. PIA was one fucking hell of a whirlwind. Um, I can't promise you what's going to happen with Gravity Lab Radio this year. Uh, we have a lot of exciting guests coming in. My need to travel is about to grow. It, um, you made it sound like we're going to do less. Don't make it sound like that. Well, m I'm about <laughs> to travel a lot more. And if I travel a lot more, I don't know how that's going to work with the show schedule. So if, 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 if I start having to travel a lot with a couple of the different companies I'm working with, I will make you guys this promise. I will purchase and get a second complete mobile studio set up so I don't have to take down, tear down, and screw up your audio cables, <laughs> Justin. Um, so if I do get as busy uh, with some of these things, guys, I promise you we'll continue to do the shows. Um, I don't know how I do it without Justin and Nick, but, but we, we have a crazy year coming up. Um, we don't even know our schedule for the next month. It's, it's been that hectic for me. But in the next couple of weeks, you'll, you'll see and hear of a lot of our friends coming in. Uh, uh, in May, Tom Noonan is coming in. I forget who we had for April. Do you remember? I didn't tell I'd you. I'd have to look at my calendar. Um, but but we have some really, really nice guests and fun guests set up coming in and some different people who, who we will talk to. Uh, we're going to try to continue to get some more guests in, and people are coming on board. So thank you guys. Thank you gals for supporting the show, for telling your friends about it. Remember to subscribe. Remember Ryan to Leeper. Ryan Leaper, Ryan Leaper coming in uh, with some April cool wingsuit stuff. Um, May, we're going to have Tom Noonan. Uh, Tom Noonan's going to talk about the seven continents. He's jumped on all of them. Um, dude, he's jumped on all seven really? continents. That's crazy. Have you been to all seven continents? No, no. not me. Not even close. Even Antarctica. Yep. <laughs> yep, even Antarctica. Man. He, he skydived on was every... It, was it glove weather? <laughs> was it glove weather? Um, so so we've got a lot coming up. We'll announce next week's guests as we get a little bit closer. We'll, we'll kind of release the upcoming schedule. Sorry, I've been a little bit behind the curve. Um, as always, if you've got people you want to be on the show, tell them, promote them. Tell them to send an email to Monty at Gravity Lab Radio. Mr. P. Oh, these jerseys are for sale. Did you know that? I haven't sold the, many of them. The yet. Gravity Lab yeah. jerseys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So check them out. We'll be advertising them tomorrow on Facebook. If you want a Gravity Lab Radio jersey, Monty at GravityLabRadio.com. Do it on the Facebook page. Send me a message. We will get you the one. 75 bucks plus shipping. Anything else you got to share, Mr. S P? Someone did ask me about uh, having one of these jerseys with my face on it. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. No. That's fine. And then I was also at the store, and the guy was like, is that you on your shirt? And <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, that guy. That's just awesome. some random person. <laughs> yeah, just some random person at the, ch the checkout counter. Yeah, it was awesome. When we originally, I originally had that logo made. You, Ben, and I had the same thickness of beard, and we always yeah, wear hats. Nobody knew who it was. Yeah. <laughs> Which one of us is it? But th it was just me by, m by myself at the store, and this guy totally nailed it. That's fucking dope, dude. But hey, something I think that we kind of overlooked was it's it's been two years. We we just had our two year anniversary of the podcast. Whoo, man! Hey, it, so a little bit different. Two year anniversary of production, not two year anniversary of release. Because we released, if I remember right, in April. 
Um, I, I can look but, up the... But from the first podcast that we did live on Facebook, right? It was two yes. years. Yeah, yeah, it was two years. But the podcast, the audio production... We had six, six episodes before it went live on iTunes, right? Yeah. So here's where it gets interesting for me. In the first year of, pred- uh, uh, of release, that's April through April, we had 10,000 downloads. Now, from April through now, through through February, so we're, what, nine months in, mm-hmm. we've done over 20,000 downloads. Man, you guys, you gals, thank you so fucking much. You've made this show. We have such a good time with you guys, even though you're not here. The conversations we hear. Dude, Justin recently had, to me, it was one of my favorite moments because I think you're starting to get used to people approaching you about the show now. I'm starting to get used to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Justin, the other day, we were shooting the shit for movie night, and Justin was talking to me, and somebody goes, I recognize your voice. I know who you are. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) I I think that was your first time having that, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Other than uh, when Joel came to Safety Day. Yeah. Joel Joel was was your first fanboy. Um, it is so cool that you guys and gals approach us and talk to us, and, w- and we thank you so much. It is it is fun. It does. It still feels silly. It's like very I, silly. I, sho- <laughs> I showed someone around the the drop zone, just a visiting jumper from I don't even remember where where he was from, but he was a foreign guy, and he's like, "Oh, you do the podcast. I know your voice. You guys make me laugh." <laughs> I was yeah. like, "That's <laughs> awesome!" Like I still felt silly and kind of had a, a hard time. Like, so I have the same hard. Uh, start when I shoot a video, like a tandem video for someone that I that I know, because I like I can't get into my work character, you know, of like if you're like let's say you were coaching someone on a jump that you already know really well, and they just know your personal personality, they don't know your your work, you know, instructor teacher personality. How it's kind of hard to find that groove with someone, right? Because you're yeah. you're just not going to the same, you know, go to feel and mannerisms that you would with a stranger and so th- i kind of had this <laughs> <laughs> dj's now laying down on the couch for anyone just listening paint me like your french girl oh, jesus <laughs> thought we weren't going to talk about that but uh yeah i had the same awkward moment of like after this dude was like yeah you're on the podcast i was like yeah i'm s- i almost o- like i don't even have this thought but i almost always apologize to people when they say oh i listen to the show <laughs> it's like oh, i'm sorry I'm so about sorry. everything <laughs> i ever said sorry i offended you i don't <laughs> almost apologize I, i'm like i'm sorry you wasted your time is commonly my first words out of my mouth but man i i really man this is actually pretty comfortable i need to like <laughs> you look good man yeah i look i feel good um, I, I really, once again, I can't thank you guys and gals enough. You, you guys have made the show. Um, we recently got new stickers. Um, when we started the show, I didn't think, know it was going to last. I mean, we ate sushi one night. We did a show. Who would have known that we would have 30,000 downloads later? Um, we bought 100 stickers once upon a time. We gave them out. We bought 100 more stickers. We gave them out. I just bought 1,000 Gravity Lab radio stickers. The majority of them are an inch and three quarters. That's the standard size we've always had. If you're a listener of the show and you want a Gravity Lab radio sticker, that inch and three quarter, I will send it to you for free. Send me an email at monty at gravitylabradio.com. I'll send you two. Uh, if it's in the U.S., no postage, no shipping, no handling. If it's outside the U.S., I'll probably send it for free as well, as long as it's not more than $5 in shipping. And I don't think it is anywhere in the the world. Um, We also just got four and three quarter inch stickers. So, uh, Nick, will you want to hold those up, brother? Uh, You want to switch to the Nick cam? It's the guest cam. And hold up the original, too, the OG, so we can get a side-by-side comparison. So here you got, Nick, the side-by-side comparison. That is one and three-quarter inches. That is four and three-quarter inches. Those four and three-quarter inches cost us a lot more money, but they cost you the same. They are free. 
you can only get the four and three quarter in person from myself, from Nick Lott, from Justin Grubbs. I'll make sure, Justin, you have a stack of stickers to share and give away as well now. We also have a 10-inch version of the sticker, and I have no <laughs> fucking clue what I'm going to do with those. Option Studios, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for making these stickers. Um, we purchased all these stickers except the 10-inch stickers, and they hooked us up. Um, I yeah, don't know I, what we're going to do with them. I don't know where we're going to put It's something that would be like, it's so big. It looks it like something that would be on the yeah. outside <laughs> yeah, of, a, of a glass entry door to a business. Yes. That's where I imagine that fitting. Yeah. The sticker... She, you said, looks like an album cover, like an old vinyl album cover. It's so damn big. What's the size of it? Is it a twelve-inch album? Ten inch. Ten inch. Ten inch sticker, but the the, the paper is even bigger. Yeah, it's it's a giant goddamn sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought about pulling a TRC sticker off the beer fridge and putting it underneath the Option Studio <laughs> sticker. I don't know. Will it fit? I think That's it. What she said. I think it might fit, but Ooh. I like the Aww. fact that the door see through for the guests to see what they can grab. But we have stickers. Hit us up if you want them. We'll send them to you for free. Hit us up at the DZ. Would be better if you're local so we don't have to waste too much money on shipping. If you're outside the area, it's no waste of money at all. Uh, hit Gravity Lab Radio up. Let us know that you want uh, jerseys. Please tell your friends about the show. Please tell them to subscribe. Please rate and review. Hit us up on iTunes and share the love, share the passion, and let us know what's going on. Uh, I'd like to get people like Melanie Curtis who does her own podcast. Uh, I really want to do a podcast panel one day. Uh, Skydive Radio does a really good show. We do our show. Shannon Pilcher is doing a show now. Uh, yeah, I listened to Antonio's episode. I thought I, it was real good. I haven't got Antonio's actually been talking about being on the show as soon as he comes to town. Um, we just we only do them in person. That's almost our downfall. I I really like doing them in person. It's dude. like the the LMB podcasts are super cool, and I think it makes people a lot more accessible. Yes, but I think the the quality of the conversation, especially when we're you know the goal is to have a two hour conversation, I feel like it's so much better in person. It's you don't got to rely on this you know the signal starts breaking down, mm-hmm. voices start getting weird, body language. Yeah, it's, I just uh, I don't enjoy it nearly as much. The LB interviews has definitely validated my desire to keep this in in person format because everybody said we need to 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 uh, cut it to a. Uh, uh, go to phone inter- or Skype interviews. I'm like, no, it, it's the the quality of interaction is not there. So you, you listen to Tim Ferriss podcast Some, at all? Yeah, that's I, I I feel like the podcasts are so much better when when he does them in person. He, he still pulls off a Skype conversation, okay, but even just the the quality of the audio, it man, it just makes a difference with uh, how clearly I feel like I'm understanding somebody. There's and back to the idea of that interpersonal communication of body language. I, I don't know. Now y- the three of us get really good. You and I do a great job <laughs> of actually talking to each other and and doing what we do. And I mean, you, I'm sure Justin has seen and knows the way I will grab a mic versus the way you will grab a mic. We definitely know when we're doing handoffs when I need a moment or you want to take control. But even our guests, we've learned to read, and they've learned to read us as well. So that interpersonal communication is well worth it. Justin, we got a wrap. What else you got, Homer? I, I don't have anything else. So, white boy, play my. Wait, hang on, don't oh! play it yet. I just want. I just wanted to continue. Uh, well, I just wanted to tell one, one more story. It uh, started with the my my. It, it is our two year anniversary, which I think yeah. is 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 yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This. Uh, when when you first asked me to do this to come over to your house and be 
hey, let's do a podcast. Like, God, this room has changed. I mean, the, the room has changed. I think we both have changed to some degree. We've had a lot of, we spent a lot of time in here, had a lot of good conversations, and there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of positive growth, I think. But um, I just w- was kind of thinking about the amount of time that I've spent with you over the last two years between, what episode <laughs> number is this? 82. 82. So 80 plus episodes of the podcast. Two years of being at different drop zones and then going out to dinners, watching the fights, bullshitting. Like, I feel like, um, I feel like I really just, I kind of know you by now, right? That, uh, if you don't know me by now. All right, so I know what song you're singing at the next karaoke (laughs) festival. But, uh, so so something happened that I I wasn't uh I kind of thought about what I wanted to say here and I was going to to talk about uh this experience at PIA and kind of the sponsorship thing that's that's pretty that's pretty new and I don't you know I'm not the sort of person to really count my eggs before they've hatched so I didn't want to talk too much about the whole that whole situation until it's a little more developed but um you know, I'd, and it's fun that we talked about sponsorships a little bit because this was kind of something that I wanted to segue into. Of like, I I owe the relationships I have to friends like you who who have good relationships with with companies already. Friends who I have who are just super good flyers, and you know, I get to be part of of those projects sometimes. And like Skydive Spaceland, you know, they're not my sponsor, but they sure do give me a paycheck, <laughs> and it sure does let me be uh, a lot more effective with things that I'm, I'm passionate about doing, like like making videos and uh, and the show. Like, peop- <laughs> it's like what we're talking about, people really do listen to the show. People come up and say, hey, this like I, I, I hear you guys talk. It's super cool. I love to listen. And I, I like seeing uh, new jumpers and experienced jumpers that we have, you know, more, more than just people who don't know very much about skydiving that appreciate what we say, that we have experienced people and people who work in the skydive industry that can still appreciate the conversations that we have. But... Um, so so I had this moment at PIA like this uh I, I don't know if you've maybe maybe you have the same experience when you're thinking about uh a relationship you'd like to have with a company of like you kind of fantasize about how you'd start the conversation right mm-hmm. about like oh I'm going to like let's just let's just say Red Bull of like oh I'm going to reach out to Red Bull and I'm going to say all this stuff and then they're going to they're like this is how I'm going to start that relationship right well I I had had this fantasy about uh about this conversation that I found myself in at PIA with uh, with a gear manufacturer that you had made that introduction for, right? And it was just this crazy thing. Like I, I had thought about how I was going to make this conversation happen, the steps that I would take to make that conversation happen, and the conversation showed up to me, which like when I noticed, like when I looked around, I was like, man, I'm a PIA, and this conversation is happening. And I didn't start it. How crazy is this? We dropped a bomb in your lap. Yeah, it was awesome, <laughs> dude. It was super. It was super cool, and it was really fun to have the conversation. It was kind of this. I I I made note in the moment of like, man, I'm kind of having one of those fantasy moments come to life right now. This is pretty cool. And uh, and so the conversation went well, and I came to you immediately to tell you kind of how it was, mm-hmm. and to to give you a hug and say thank you because I knew that just based on the introduction. I knew that you had had a hand in me being involved in that conversation. So I wanted to tell you how it went. And I was super happy, right? I was real excited, super ecstatic. And 
and anybody who knows me, like I'm not opposed to emo to being emotional, right? Like you cry like a bitch. Yeah, I love to watch YouTube videos that make me cry. It happened two days ago. Sam showed me a video of this little girl singing on like Britain's Got Talent or something, and I'm doing dishes in the kitchen. She comes in with this video, and I cry, right? So I'm not I'm not opposed to being emotional, but um, but I I I wasn't to uh, to a point of. I wasn't having an emotional experience. I was just really happy about what was going on. And uh, sorry, I'm just I'm trying to set the the stage here so some people listening will actually get my point. But I was super happy. And uh, telling you about the conversation, you were even happier about the conversation than I was. Like the, I got this super genuine hug from you. And that I saw, like, as you, as I was telling you about this conversation, how, well, I don't mean to throw you under the bus, no, by no. Means, but, like, I saw the tears coming. I teared in, up, in yeah. Your eyes. And it's like, man, like, again, just to say, like, I really feel like I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last two years. And I feel like I got to know you super well in that five second period of seeing, like, seeing how moved you were by seeing something positive happen for someone that you care about. And it just made a lot of sense to me. Like, it just a few things fell into place as about, like, who you are as a person and, like, who you are as a friend and who you are as, like, a, as a teacher and even, like, who you are as a husband to, to Val. And all these things just kind of clicked and made sense. And I had a, a huge level of admiration of, like, man, that just makes you a good person. <laughs> like, that you were happier about this uh, fortunate thing for me than, than I was capable of feeling in that moment. That meant a lot to me. And, uh, and I just want to say thank you for, for all the help that you've, that you've given me over the last, I mean, couple of years that we've had a, a good friendship and a good thing going with podcasts of, you know, thanks for all the good stuff you do. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for making me do the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just thanks for being you, man. It's been a great ride. You're welcome. 100% you're welcome. Um, I think you know this more now than ever. I think Justin know this, uh, knows this as well. Uh, my secret to life, my secret to happiness is push and promote other people's happiness, push and promote other people's success, and then celebrate it with them. And it means it, it, everything I've accomplished with everything I've done means something to me. And what it means to me is it allows me to help other people. I don't care that I'm successful with all these other brands and all these companies in this show for me. Fuck me, dude. I, I really like I, I really don't care that much as much as it gives me the ability to share this passion, and this love with you and to share this with you. And, and, and man, I'm, I'm just honored that I can be part of your success. I'm honored that I can be part of Hank's success. I'm honored that Steven and I can share that success with Scott. I've uh, Spaceland and the Rating Center and, and my wife do you. Uh, wonderfully immensely successful woman so you're welcome it's very selfish that i do it because it brings me the utmost in happiness absolutely well, you saw it keep that going man yeah. and i i know i'm not the easiest person to be friends with all the time that i'm <laughs> moody and loud <laughs> and often say the wrong thing so man i i uh i value your friendship and i and i appreciate you you're very easy to get along with once you can read my mood probably exactly <laughs> Because man, I can I can immediately see where you're at and what you're doing. Immediately go, no, not now, no, now. But I think you've also done the same with me. Yeah. So before we start crying and before we start making out like a couple of men, <laughs> white boy, play my funky music. 
I always like saying that. There was an old radio show based out of San Diego. I don't really believe in this statement, but I always loved that he ended his show with, love me, love my show, I'm out. Word. 